Time travelers, have you ever had like a friend that has a new significant other and everyone loves them and you're like, I think he kind of sucks, but everyone thinks he's really cool. And then a few months later, he cheats on her and everyone's like, oh, I guess he did suck. And you feel really bad for your friend, but you're also like, yeah, I fucking knew it. That's how I felt watching this week's movie, It Chapter 2. You are all wrong about the first one, everyone. Toot toot. <laughs> <laughs> That's another thing we do. That's uh, good. <laughs> Time travelers. Veronica, who are you just explaining our toot toot to? Obviously, I know what it is. Oh, well, time travelers, a twist is in the offing <laughs> as we have a third member in our box office time machine car to oh stay goodness. stationary in the present. <laughs> uh, our, uh, we have our first guest of... Hopefully many to come. Ooh. Maybe our only one if you fuck this up. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> and it is uh, David Bluff Band, our good friend and not really neighbor, I don't think. Hello, travelers. <laughs> I'm not neighbors now. I'm so glad. I've always wanted to have a meeting in a time machine. It's very... Not going anywhere. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're definitely not going any time right. travel. It's just we're sitting here. It's like a WeWork that yes. also has time yes. machine capabilities. Well, it's like, I don't know if you guys heard, but... In Japan, a lot of people would rent out zip cars during yes. lunch just to be alone mm -hmm. in a space. So that's what we're that doing. That is <laughs> the saddest thing I've ever heard. Uh, well, I mean, that's Japan for you. Do you, guys, do you guys remember, um, uh, oh, what was this called? It used to be on ABC Family on Sunday mornings. It was like an anime like mar like show marathon every uh -huh. Sunday morning. Uh -huh. I think it was called like Anime Nation or something. And it was like, they would be like, it'd be like... Um, Digimon and then like Dragon Ball Z and so and something like all Sunday morning and then like in between commercials there'd be like a different anime related fact mm -hmm. or, or a fact <laughs> about Jap or a fact about Japan mm -hmm. and one of them I remember was that um, because of because it's such a densely populated city that cemeteries some cemeteries are on rooftops in Japan oh god wait I remember that being like such an interesting fact <laughs> that's true I think so yeah like uh, where they bury bodies or where they keep I think like where cremated they, like, people I'm not sure I assume cemetery because there's like in the in the fact it's like they showed clips and it was like tombstones on uh, like tall office buildings oh wow, wow. I mean there must yeah that's so weird. It's like when I learned, um, like, I'd see movies, like, I'd, I'd watch, like, Live and Let Die. Yeah. And I'd see, like, the cool <laughs> graveyards in New Orleans and be like, how fun with those, they love those mausoleums there. That I sure. like, it's just because their ground's too wet, they can't bury anyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that stuff like that is very interesting to me, of like, oh, what can you do if, yeah, what can you do if the ground's too wet, you can't bury, your, your dead gets washed <laughs> away in the swamp. Well, speaking of... Dead bodies <laughs> washing away in gross water. It's time to return to Derry, Maine and talk about It, Chapter 2. Ooh. 
Yeah, it's, it's funny. Uh, uh, Veronica and I, for for a few weeks now, have been like, we should start bringing guests on the show. And we were trying to decide. We know so many very funny, very smart, uh, cool people. All like, are clamoring to be on our and podcast. And they keep messaging us nonstop. They're like, we're and diehard I, listeners. And we I beat them all to the punch. <laughs> Me, not cultured, not smart, mm-hmm. not not artistic. And I beat them all. Yep. <laughs> and well, I got you, here. You found the secret to it. Help us decide by writing a bunch of very passionate Facebook posts <laughs> about the movie we were already planning on discussing. Yeah, that's that's the way to our heart. Did already you guys, have an opinion. Did you guys see it opening day too? No, I no. saw it. We saw it last Tuesday. Okay. Uh, you were there opening night. I, w- I was there. Like, yeah, that's. I, I tweeted my thing right after my <laughs> right after I saw the movie. Was what, what? there any like cosplaying going on? No, or, no, okay. no. <laughs> at least not that I saw. Uh, I was not expecting to be blown away by this mm-hmm. movie because I l- had no real problems with the first mm-hmm. one, mm-hmm. but this was just like bad filmmaking in. Uh-huh. It's purest form. <laughs> I think my actual tweet was, uh, "It Chapter Two was my least favorite movie I saw this year, and maybe ever." And yeah, the, that might have been the tweet. Yeah, I had uh, I had one tweet about this movie. It was so niche and esoteric. It was for maybe four people in the world. I wrote, um, uh, "It Chapter Two retcons plot information with all the grace of a Kingdom Hearts sequel. <laughs> <laughs> That's very, Thank very you accurate. for being one of the people who get that. I got, I've played both. I've played uh, the first two. I don't know if there have been more since then. About like, 43 of them, and they all have the stupidest names ever. Almost as stupid as It, No Colon, It Chapter, chapter two, 2. It's bad. Spelled out like a phrase. I feel like they really dropped the ball on a lot of things with this. Because mm-hmm. the, the first, which is, I think, a, a, a thing of like most blockbuster movies that come out this year. Of like, yeah. It's like we're all setting up. This like massive sequel machine uh, thing of like we're setting up a world. You have to see multiple movies, and this is a great example of when that really doesn't work. Right. But it doesn't matter because the machine's already been built yeah. in, and people will pay to go to it. Did you catch the prequel tease that's in this movie of Doctor Sleep? Um, no, no, no. That's in It Chapter Two for the rest of the It franchise. There's more. Like how? It is the worst. <laughs> the worst part about? in a movie I didn't like. The ver- look, we're jumping all around all we go to the <laughs> second to last scene in the movie. Okay. Um, okay. When uh, Mike Hanlon is happily moving out of Derry. Right. We pan down to his desk and focus on a book of Derry history. Yes. For a few extra frames. And I know, because of an interview with Andy Muschietti, that that's their plan to continue the franchise, prequel movies. He had an interview where they're like, will there be any sequels? And he's like, no, Pennywise is dead. Yeah. But Pennywise was around for millions of years, and that's millions of stories. Oh, boy. That might not be the exact quote. Mm. Uh, I mean, that is like, I don't know. I don't want to hijack too much of the conversation. Like, you know, like... The the steering wheel to this stationary time machine is yours. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I guess so. You've already said what your history with the first one was, that you kind of liked it. Mm. John, yours is that you... Did not. I remember well, we so watched it together. Let's start. Your history with also you are a huge Stephen King fan and yeah. you've read the book. I've read a lot of I've read Stephen King books since I was like thirteen years old. I um 
I don't know if I'd consider myself a true fan, though, because okay. my big, well, my big thing, I, I, that's weird to say, I've seen, I've read many of this author's mm. book, but I don't know if I'm a fan, because my big thing with Stephen King is, when Stephen King writes, his words in your imagination, I don't know what it is, it's like, he, it makes sense a little bit more. Yeah. But his dialogue is so stupid. <laughs> zing zang, chucklehead. It, it's this weird, like, 80s, uh, it's like the, in the 80s there was this big 50s nostalgia mm-hmm. thing, and he loves that, like, 50s rough talk, like, I'm a greaser type, but a fake gangster type of thing, and most of his, like, characters have, like, a slang that when they're said by human mouths in a movie, like in in it makes it 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 doesn't translate well. So I like I'm never like never upset when like yeah. adaptations don't work out well because for me it's like well yeah I mean you, you're not gonna have a, a movie a guy in a movie in a horror movie call somebody like uh what was it uh my favorite line from fucking uh uh uh, uh what's the movie where they uh Maximum Overdrive that's uh-huh. his only movie. Uh, it was the only movie that he direct he wrote for the screen and directed, mm-hmm. which was like, "You want to rock and roll with me, puss bag?" <laughs> and like stuff like that, where it's just like, it's like, "Oh, suck a bug," or yep. something like yeah, stuff like that, where it's just like, uh, or uh, yeah. You say that no one would try to put that in a movie, but they did try. They did. Yeah. It's called Dreamcatcher. Yes, yes, that's one of exactly. the worst movies ever made. Also, those all those boys are from Derry. Yes. Which is like, to me, if they're going to try to... Multiverse dude. Yeah, I was like, are they going to try to do... That's the only other story that I can think of right now mm-hmm. that it also takes place in that town. Well, so um, so you read the book. Uh, uh, you're a fan. I am, uh, uh, I am aggressively not a you've got to be faithful to a book and adaptations. I think that's one of like... The worst things you can do. Yeah, no, it doesn't work all the time. You're doing a different medium, make a movie. Where'd You Go, Bernadette is a great example of that. Oh, it I makes, it makes sense as a book. It's yeah. a stupid movie. <laughs> really doesn't make any sense. I So I read the book when I was 11 in sixth grade. It, yeah. it took me half the school year. Yeah, it's, it's very it's, I'm a slow long. reader to begin with. Is it like 700 pages? It is 1,100. Fuck. Yeah. It is very long. Uh, the book on tape, which is available, is 45 hours. Yeah, The Shining is only 15 hours. That's crazy. Well, The <laughs> Shining, I think, is like 300 or 400. Yeah, it's, it's a much quicker beach read. Um, but so I read that book <laughs> at the right age, and it took me like half a year, so it was such a part of my life sure. for that year, and I loved it. Mm-hmm. It uh, it affected me so much. It was so frightening and so interesting, and I loved the characters. So I... That stupid belabored uh, comparison I made at the top of the show about like a friend's new boyfriend, like yeah, I saw that first movie mm-hmm. and I was like, this is this loses nearly everything I like about the book. I'm on the same page as yeah. you. With however, that analogy too. Yeah. However, I ex- I re- accept that this is a fun horror movie. Uh, I don't think the book is a fun horror book. Should we recap the plot of both movies yes. for your audience? Just, may, may, may I yeah, do yeah. it? <laughs> um, so, it, it is the story of uh, a, gr- uh, a group of kids in a small town in Maine called Derry mm-hmm. uh, have supernatural experiences with some uh, interdimensional being that personifies evil known as Pennywise that takes the form of an evil clown. Uh, slowly throughout the, or not slowly, but throughout the whole course of the book, people, uh, kids in the town of Derry uh, go missing. And this book was written after the disappearance of Johnny Gosh. Is that true? Yeah. 
it was this is what inspired Stephen King to write it because yeah. in the mid seventies and eighties, lots of children in America. It's you know the milk carton era. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was like an inspiration for Stephen King to like go through a story like what if a town becomes haunted because nobody is willing to talk about the dark shit that goes on in the town. Mm-hmm. And what if that is actually... And that is a great idea for a book yeah. and a story for children. And mm-hmm. then, so they... The, long story short, the first movie is the kid that, that was made uh, a couple of years ago is, the, is the, the kids attack the monster. And then the second movie is uh, the second part of the book, which is the kids are all grown up and they reconvene as adults try to confront the monster again yeah and yeah that's that's the way the movie split Mm -hmm. it's very much not the structure of the book no but speaking before we get to all of that the book is much more the uh, as with most books Mm -hmm. the book is much more about it has a lot of things with like this is the town of Derry. as like you can you can delve into a novel like with all these details of like this is the history of Derry, and this is this is what happens here and this is all this stuff the book is about Everything. Yes. <laughs> um, but like, so the book Veronica, also includes a, uh, an interstellar turtle that the that's the spider has to fight. It's, and the movie cut the fucking turtle because the movie's a coward. The movie also the has... filmmakers you know, are chicken. Yeah. Um, but uh, Veronica, you have not read the book. You're the only one no. who's never read the book. Have you watched the original miniseries from the nineties? No. Oh, okay. But I've, you really liked the first movie. I really enjoyed the first one. I not really a fan of Stranger Things, or I guess rather I never finished it, but. Mm-hmm. I it had like a similar mm-hmm. vibe that I really liked in a more self-contained packaging. Mm-hmm. I thought all the kids were really good and the sort of Pennywise and the way that they sort of animated and enhanced them really worked really well. And I had no problems with it because I don't know the history. I don't know how it compares to the book. And it was like a fun self-contained movie yeah. to me. Yeah. Whereas like this felt more of just like... A, an excuse to have a movie that somehow ended up being even longer than the original yeah. with like less plot. This yeah. movie it, it is was, longer yeah. than the miniseries. Yes, which the is entire yeah, miniseries. Yeah. And it's almost it, and it it doesn't clock three hours. This mm-hmm. one almost clocks three hours. It's this one movie. And here's yeah. the crazy. So um, uh, uh, so I wrote so I wrote that uh, Facebook post, uh, the fucking Kingdom Hearts thing, and a bunch of people commented on it with like complaints about the movie um why this happened why that happened and almost all of them are in the book same with a lot of questions you had for me after the movie veronica and while none of them are in the book a lot of them have to do with the issues with how they split it up and so like we said the first movie is just the kids yes they originally planned on maybe filming a frame scene at the end like a fucking Nick Fury type scene I thought uh, for some reason I have a memory of Mike Hanlon being in the first movie as an adult but I might be that would have made more sense but they wanted to go with the biggest star they were going to have who's the um, guy that played adult Isaiah is his name Isaiah Mustafa the guy from the Old Spice commercials yes He's a bad actor. <laughs> well, he's yeah, a really I, I, bad well, actor. I was saying after uh, after we were in the bar that he was either very shortchanged or like... I feel like they didn't really... I, 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 I want to amend that. I don't want to uh, dunk on Isaiah Maxwell without really knowing him. Isaiah, Isaiah Mustafa. Isaiah Mustafa. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Maxwell's a cool last name. It's a very cool last name. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I, I don't want to dunk I'm on gonna Isaiah. I'm going to change like... his IMDb <laughs> right now. It's well, I, but I, I think they really didn't give him a lot to do. And his character's point of view has changed from book the, and movie and story completely. The it's, screenwriters hate Mike Hamlin. It's really, I don't it's get, really tough. They fucking hate Mike. And I don't yeah. like, 
and I feel like I, I'm not gonna get into any, any racial thing, but um, but it feels weird that all their choices to shortchange for like narrative sake, uh, all hurt the one black character. Yeah, it's kind of it is weird, and it's yeah, it, it's it's very weird on those sense uh, on on those optics, and there's also a lot of things that just didn't make sense. I don't. Very confused at where James McAvoy is at with his career right now. <laughs> the, the roles he, uh, uh, the roles I'm assuming he's being offered and decides to take, and what he brings to it. I didn't understand why he kept bumping into stuff the whole movie. <laughs> like I think there's three different times where he either bumps into a car or a person. Or oh something. yeah, he always gets like, hit by a car. Yeah, it's yeah. like there's like lots of moments where he's just like stumbling around. I'm like, guy, what are you doing? Like, what's going it's on? It's like well, a I... show don't tell. Of like <laughs> he is this trot. <laughs> Well, I was really like, well, he, or it's like, if he stutters, then what else is true? Exactly. He must be a fucking klutz. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what stuttering is. Your tongue is clumsy. <laughs> your, your, your tongue is so fucking out yeah. of your head that you're tripping all over yourself. The old clumsy tongue. Yep. <laughs> that's what I called it back in the that's day. That's what my dad used to call me. The old clumsy tongue. Old just clumsy. tripping over his words. <laughs> that's like a fucking line from the book. Um, but I, I want to rewind. and So I think a lot of the problems start from... So they split up the mm-hmm. kids and the adults. Mm-hmm. And they did that for financial reasons. That primarily. doesn't happen in the book. No. The book, so the book, the structure of the book is uh, until the end, the adults are primarily, adult sections are primarily framework for the flashbacks to the kids section. Yeah. So for the vast majority of the adult sections, nothing happens. They get a phone call. They remember. Yes. They get a phone call. They remember. They see each other. They remember. Mm-hmm. Which is why there's no plot in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. But, it's almost like you know how like you get a new board game or something, and all the pieces are like together in like, yeah. a board, and you have yeah. to like Pop punch them out. Them out. Uh-huh. And like what you're left with is like a weird frame that you're like, what the fuck am I doing with this? Yeah. <laughs> like this is what it felt like here. Is that like yeah, they I... punched out all the cool stuff in the first movie? <laughs> They were left with, like, this frame story that, like, from talking to you after the movie, like, makes, like, is very thin. Yes. And then they felt the need to add on so much superfluous stuff. I love... Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, just that. It just, it, it felt like... Yeah, I just felt like, why are you wasting my time for three hours? <laughs> it really doesn't make sense to split it up into two movies. No, it's a it's a tough task that every that the filmmakers put on themselves. Well, they, exactly. they don't need to make this movie. It's again. certainly financial. Reasons. Yes, it's very financial. They the Warner Brothers did not greenlight two movies. They greenlit one movie, so they're like, let's be safe. We'll make the kids section. And if it doesn't do as well as we want, well, that'll be it. That'll be the end. But th- and this is what this is what is problem not problematic. That's too uh, tough. But the, what's tough about like splitting up that way is that it the the story mm. of it is essentially like it's it's supposed. To, I, I know like Stephen King wanted to make horror Goonies. That's what he did <laughs> yeah. when he which wrote is it. why like, which I think is, the first one worked because yes, it was that's that. what that is. Yeah. And this story, a lot of those types of movies really only makes sense in the context of kids fighting a greater evil. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When it's put on adults without any context of the things that happened before, it just looks stupid. It just yeah. looks, like, <laughs> dumb. It's just like, because none of the... Also, none of the CGI is scary in this oh, the movie. the CGI is CGI very is, bad. I'm... I'm 
kind of a annoying curmudgeon in the sense mm-hmm. that I do believe CGI makes everything kind of worse <laughs> unless it's really for the purposes that it's used for. Like you use like any cam like any camera trick, any po- any like practical movie effect. You have to do it right. You have to yeah. do like if you the chest bursters in Alien is a good example. You don't notice it's a chintzy effect because all the camera movements are in the exact right position. Mm-hmm. If you want in the original it like mini series that um, the Chinese restaurant scene yeah. is way creepier because they are interacting with real puppet creatures out of the fortune cookies. Well, they mm-hmm. they clearly don't realize how dumb and bad the CGI looks. Yeah, because they do a direct lift and homage to the thing. Yeah, yeah. And if you're making your movie wall to wall bad CGI. Don't replicate a scene from the example of some of the best practical effects ever made. Also don't reference another horror, like, writer genre in a Stephen King thing. Because there was also a bunch of things where, like, people were coming in the... There was a a Here's Johnny thing from The Shining. There's a lot of, like, throwbacks or shoutouts to things that didn't make sense. Well, in the book, the kids are frequently attacked by monsters from movies they've seen. Yeah, like, mommy... Like, the, the, um, uh, 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 Richie Tozer character is is attacked by, like, a a werewolf. A werewolf. Mm -hmm. Was it a mummy or a werewolf in bandages? I think the mummy's in a Different scene. Different scene. But and he's, then, because uh, he's afraid of, he saw, uh, I was a teenage werewolf. Yes, yes, And then yes, the yes. werewolf from that movie attacks him. But, and I was curious when they made the first movie and moved it to the 80s, which again, I think is a great idea. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I hate remakes, but I'm furious we didn't get a Back to the Futures remake where they mm-hmm. go back to the time period where they made the first one. Oh, why I mean, didn't they do that? That's good. Like, uh, and I think and it's too late now. Watch a Back to the Future movie and realize, oh no, we've already done <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like in most cases remakes are unnecessary and are purely for financial. Like we just yeah. want to make money. We want to cash in on this. Like, the only two movies that I think were number one at the box office at all this year that were original stories, I think I mentioned this mm-hmm. earlier, were Us and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Everything else that's made it to number one at the box office is all based on uh, an, an existing intellectual property. Right. Uh, and, and I think that Once just, Upon a Time in Hollywood was based on a Jane Austen novel. Right, yeah, of yeah. course. The, the most famous Jane Austen <laughs> novel. <laughs> Emma right, drives yeah. around for 40 minutes. Emma, Emma, dri- <laughs> Emma drives around La Cienica <laughs> and goes to El Coyote yeah. for a um, little... Emma shows her feet for the first time <laughs> at the town of Scandalize. <laughs> um, Emma watches herself in The Wrecking Crew in the theater that nobody <laughs> even notices she's there. Um, but so like usually so the splitting it up splitting up the sections is bad because yeah. it the adult section just there's not enough for a movie mm-hmm. also so much of the point of that part of the book is uh dealing with childhood trauma yes which is why we see the things back to back yeah unresolved childhood trauma yes. and that's a major part of the book that is ruined yeah. by splitting it up and that's a big part of stephen king's writing he in a lot of his books he deals with abuse as children and deals with like because you know he comes from a generation mm-hmm. where a lot of kids were beaten up by their parents and it wasn't mm-hmm. called child abuse yeah so it's and he comes from a generation that uh, didn't analyze those emotions as such so they just wrote books about scary yes, clowns exactly <laughs> so yeah. all of these things are processing those types of feelings and those types of emotions and the and like they're commenting in the in in the context of a horror novel and when you take away like when you take away like 
Bev's storyline oh. is such an interesting part of the book because she like she she falls into a, an abusive relationship with someone that reminds her of her father and she doesn't realize it until the phone call, which is I mean that. What's also we meet Tom, yeah. her, who's Bev's husband, who's mm-hmm. a much bigger part of the book. Before we get the flashback, right? And that's so the structure. So much of the weirdness of this movie is because those scenes in the book happen before the scenes in yeah. the first movie. Right. So it's like we. I want to have a long section of this podcast talking about Stan Uris's suicide and what they do with it in this movie. That's tough. It's not. It's not the heroic suicide yeah. in this fucking movie. I was more mad at this one than the original miniseries because the one uh, Richard Mazur, uh, for movie fans listening, for time machine uh, time travelers time listening, time travel. you re- you might recognize. The name Richard, he's in The Thing, mm-hmm. and he's also in uh, uh, Forget Paris, and he's like a New York character actor. He plays the original adult Stan Uris. He kills himself in the tub, and it's very like, I think the I think the miniseries came out in 91, so it's like... I think it's just 90, maybe? Maybe, and then like... Doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter anyway. anyway <laughs> oh, no. it feels so 70s or 80s to me. I guess it couldn't be 70s, but it feels like... <laughs> they made it before the book, it's crazy. Like, it feels so old to mm-hmm. me. Really? It is just the novelization 90s? of a TV movie. Yeah, and yeah, but no. Either either way, like the suicide. The, I hated his end speech. Uh, it was like because that's not from the book. Let's. I, I want to get to that, but like um, my the I I just want to do a big thing. I so the other thing they have completely eliminated from both these movies. So in addition to the childhood trauma thing, one of the Stephen King coked up to his eyeballs. Yeah, clearly decided my book is going to be about. All kinds of evil yeah, ever. Yeah. And so everyone knows. take on a lot in that book. Everyone knows that the book starts with the death of Georgie Denver, dies in the gutter. But then we go into about a 50 page section about a hate crime. Mm-hmm. And not just the crime itself, um, it's the death of Adrian Mellon. We get lengthy inner monologues from yeah. Adrian Mellon's boyfriend talking about how hard it was to be a gay man in the 80s living in this small town. Yeah. We also get the inner monologues of the police who are investigating this crime and want nothing to do with it because they honestly, like, they don't care about uh, this s- small gay community. They just yeah. don't want to fucking deal with it. Which go- which is... I'm oh, sorry. I didn't mean to yeah, it's all about that. Then, what do we do next? We then, in the book, move on to the inner monologue of Stan Uris's wife, who then discovers him dead. Mm-hmm. And what is she thinking about? She's thinking about how hard it is to be, should they change their name to sound less Jewish? Yes. Then That's a huge thing in the book that doesn't really get touched upon. It, it's replaced by something else in the movie, mm-hmm. which I feel a little, not, not offended, but it's like, it's just a weird, well, like... The bar mitzvah? No, no, no. When um, the first when book, they're first deciding movie. whether to go to like Buenos Aires or not. <laughs> <laughs> That's like when because R- Richie, I don't remember Richie being like a closeted character in That's, the book. Is that a part of the book? Am I yeah, that was debated. like a question I had. Um, I, 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 let's let's get to all I, of that in, I'm a, sorry, in sorry. a few. No, 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 no. I want uh, Veronica to lead questions, but I just want to f- finish this, and then so they also do huge parts of the book about. Uh, about the racism and the, mm-hmm. the the history of the clan in the area, yeah, and all of this stuff. So, it the monster is feeding off of kind of the the already there hatred and fear and evil that's in this town, mm-hmm. feeding off it, making it worse. Who knows? But um, the Shining has a similar mm-hmm. like couple, the first couple chapters is just about pe- is just people telling uh, Jack Torrance about who who's died in the hotel. Yeah, but this and this book is about. 
this book is about evil that we don't want to talk about. Right, which is what which is what the whole thing of like, yes, yeah, this town is haunted. Nobody wants to talk about the awful like mm. in the book and in the original miniseries. There's a part where Bev talks about being roughed up by um, Henry Bowers, the mm. bully, the like the 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 real greaser character. Yeah. Uh, when the book is terrifying. The book is very terrifying. But Who there's... should actually be played by Kiefer Sutherland. He should. Exactly was... the oh same my god, I was thinking the exact same thing. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Holy shit! I was just thinking, oh my god, he would have been a much better and old crazy Henry Bowers. Yeah. I want to know who the greaser was who bullied Stephen King so badly that he's like, I need to put this character in every book. I'm sure everybody. Yeah. And him. I like... bet he was named Bowers. Yeah, I, mean... I bet he was. But... I'm sure it was. That's like uh, he's very good at like. Stephen King grew up in in Maine and like in or in Rhode Island, some you know <laughs> small New England town, which is why like you know a lot of books in the eighties didn't talk about a hate crime in that perspective. You know, like just like the cops don't want yeah. to deal with anything. I think if this movie had been directed by Stanley Kubrick, <laughs> yeah. I'll just throw this out there. I think that all King's those, favorite director, yes, King's favorite director. I think all those things would have been. Let's like, like if or if, uh, forget Kubrick. If I was if I was to tell read, okay, hey, these two movies were turkeys. Let's like reframe yeah. this. Yes, we can get either a Kubrick or a Bluff Band picture. It, green it, 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 for the money, you can get a Bluff Band. <laughs> uh, I, you dead, know what? I'm gonna like, say this. Yeah, I'm gonna say this. Uh, don't mean to blow smoke up your mm-hmm. ass. I think today in 2019, you'd easily be a better director than Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. I'd, I'd, be a, I'd be a better director whoever directed it chapter two. But like, you think, you think, think the like, rotting corpse of Stanley Kubrick would be a better director than you? Yeah, I think I... I honestly, yes. He only has because more, he's, like, uh, pathos. Yeah, okay. I feel he, like fair, he's more gravitas. He couldn't, he, couldn't, he couldn't talk to people. He <laughs> couldn't direct actors. He's, he's friendlier like, now. He's much friendlier now. But like I think like Shelly Duvall's like I like working with this guy. You you want to you want to take that idea. You mm. want to take hey this town is haunted. Bev has been Be- Bev's Bev's been rough. Bev's been assaulted by Henry Bowers and an old man watches that happen and mm. doesn't do anything about it. That's like a, that's the idea you want to explore. A whole town that doesn't say anything when bad shit happens. They just want to go back to their, like, you know, um, Norman Rockwellian American lifestyle and don't want to think about anything else. Yeah. You have to explore that idea. That's what carries it through. It's a You it's don't have key. to go through... Yeah, it's key. You don't have to go through space spiders and space turtles fighting no. necessarily, but, like, you do have to communicate that idea. So what I would do is I would put that... Would, a really rough place to start a movie is with just a general hate crime. This, <laughs> and so, to have no context or follow-up afterwards. And there's nothing yes. like it in the first movie. Because they cut all the race stuff. Yes. So to just end with the... Start your second movie with the brutal murder of, of a young gay man. Yes. And it feels so out of place and ugly. Because the first weird. movie wasn't... The book is ugly. In a frightening way. And the first movie is fun. So to start the second movie, it'd be like if you were making a sequel to, um, like, like, what's a fun horror movie? Uh, Phantasm. Shaun of the Dead. You were making a sequel to Shaun of the Dead, and it starts with, like, a kid being cyber bullied till he kills himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you'd be like, mm-hmm. you'd be like, what the fuck is this? And a lot of like, I, I had, had you know, friends of mine who are gay were like writing me like, why was that scene in there? Yeah. And I'm like, it makes so. You, you talk about like uh, how 
interesting it is that in the 80s he was talking about institutionalized racism mm -hmm. in the middle of the AIDS crisis he writes this scene that that draws a direct line between anti-gay bigotry in the 80s yeah. and uh, Klan activity mm -hmm. in the uh, decades and decades earlier. Like, I think that's really interesting. And yeah. the movie wants nothing to do with any of it yeah. except for the ugly imagery of Adrian Mellian having his face bashed in. It's really tough. And the fact that we don't ever, like, if to include that scene and have no follow-up as to why that scene is included is, like, kind of, it's just Awful. lazy to me. And then it's just, like, if you want, if 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 you were going to include, here's what I would, here's what I would do. Okay. Mm. If, I, if you, if, Producers are like Bob Ben. You, you gotta direct it, Chapter Two. You gotta you put gotta. This, you gotta put this hate crime in there. It's <laughs> gotta be in the movie. I'd it's be like, our favorite hate crime. Our research shows. Yeah, it's like, this okay. hate crime okay. is the, the the numbers show that the numbers show that kids between the ages of eighteen and thirty four yeah. love to see a hate crime at the top, at the first five minutes of a movie. It's like all right, fine. What you then? I think what I would do is probably something more for the book. Start with Stanley Uris's suicide. That's yeah. Start and then move and make it more of a hey audience. This is a straight up psychological thriller. This is not a kids adventure. This is no. This is not a Goonies style movie. This is much more like Stanley so the Kubrick's adult Fisher. one. Yeah, the yeah. stakes are different. Then you move to then you move to another thing that talk maybe like a more Norman Rockwellian scene of how nice dairy is during the day or something. Mm -hmm. The milk festival or the <laughs> yeah. the the like whatever happens. And then you go to the carnival at night. And then you see the hate crime. And then you talk about that idea of like how nobody talks. Like go to more of the. There's plenty of. I mean, they do a lot of, uh, to show missing kid posters in that movie. But then you, what you don't have is the weight behind it. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. like you in the movie they do a great job of like. Um, there's a great scene in the original miniseries of it where Harry Dean Stanton, who plays the Bill Hader character, the Richie Tozier character. Mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. Adult Richie Tozier is like he's he's throughout the, which Bill Hader does in this movie too, but he's throughout this like hey let's just go home I'm sick of this we, uh, this is a uh, thanks thanks anyway Mike but this is kind of a waste of time I don't want to deal with this and then as he's about to pack up he watches a news report of a kid that had just been found dead mm -hmm. in the town yeah and there's no weight behind any of the missing kids in it chapter two there's a little bit more in the first one yeah. Mm -hmm. But it all it loses its weight in the second one. And I think that's just like why make the movie? Because they're trying to make they need plot for this movie. They extend the idea mm -hmm. of them like being like, fuck this, I wanna leave. And so it's crazy where it's like, then when they wanna give them reason to come back, it's hard for them to shoehorn in right. the reason that's just there. We need to save children. Yeah, because mm -hmm. and and then it's and then what you end up with is what the movie which which is Six long scenes with the same scare pattern Ugh, that right. you are, I mean, the audience, the filmmakers must truly think the audience is stupid because they're going to think that we're going to be as scared every single time with the same, it's like if you get, it's like, what's four, what's, what's four plus four? Eight. What's four plus four? Well, I don't know. <laughs> Could be anything. Is it eight? Yeah. Whoa! Okay. What's four plus four? No. All right. Five well, more times. All right. Yeah. Well, all right. Let's get. Let's get. Let's really like think about this, guys. What is four plus four? It's, it's, oh my God! It's eight. Uh, now I want uh, Veronica because uh, we can talk forever about a book you haven't read. <laughs> um, but uh, Veronica, I I want to play. Uh, 
please, one by one, let's go through the things you hated most about this movie. Yes. And I'm and we'll say whether or not they are in the book and when they won't be, because I'm pretty sure they all won't be, we can talk about why we think they made the choice to have this in in, uh, in the movie. Because I think I can see the thought process behind a lot of these bad decisions. Right. I think the first one, I can also, like, answer my own question, but, like, uh, like the first one is the fact that they, like, once... Once they're back, the way, like, the way to basically propel the next hour of the movie is, like, we gotta find our totems. Yes. And, like, not every, in, not the in the book. Yes, it's <laughs> not in the book. And I understand that, like, given that the structure of the novel was very much of one where, like, you have to, like, remember past trauma or whatever, <laughs> that's, that's instead of, like, actually introducing stuff that they've already shown, they, like, came up with new shit. Yeah, which but, is even more confusing. Yeah, it's, and it's worse, and it repeats that pattern that you just referenced. It's always, like, a kid in, like, an abandoned thing, and, oh, oh, <laughs> like, something is jumping at them. <laughs> but it's... A and, and, yeah. then, and then fake out? No, it's not. And back! It's yeah. like, every, every scare in this is we see the monster and it goes, am I going to jump? Am I going to jump? Am I, I jumped! <laughs> um, but but the, also, like, the idea that w the things that are most important to them, like, somehow appear to them in a moment of, like, you know, just, like, being probably insanely afraid that, like, I don't know, I just, like, don't get that. The fetch yeah. quest... When some, how did no one shoot that down? When they're like, okay, there's nothing for the adults to do plot-wise. We need to give them some kind of mission. Yeah. When someone goes, I've got it. How about we act like this is a Super Nintendo game? And they have to get the five weapons to kill the ha Metroid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Pac-Man has to, I mean, a Mega Man has to get all the special guns so uh -huh. he can shoot Rockman right, and yeah. defeat Dr. Wily. It is very video game in that sense where you have to, like, get all the totems to, like, reach the next level. And that's not how the book works How did at all. no one shoot that down? It's that's, like, that's a pretty terrible, and it's... Six characters. It's six storylines. Yeah, it like happened with. so long where I was like, I went, I had to go to the bathroom. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. I think this is the last one. Oh, we one. both took bathroom breaks. Yeah, yeah. Was, it's three hours. I'm like, wait, and, what was yeah, the awful it's very... movie? There was a, an, was it Men in Black? Uh, what the, There was one of the movies we saw where I took a bathroom break when I didn't have to go and I just stood in the hall for a while. Oh, God, I don't Might know. Might have been Men in Black. <laughs> but it was just, uh, yeah, it was like, oh, and I'm coming back and there's still another kid that I was like, oh, yeah, there's that one, too. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I also, I wonder whether it also has to do with the fact of, like, how do they defeat it in the book? You said it's like a battle of minds or whatever. The in Ritual the book, of Chud yeah. is some cosmic Lovecraft shit that is, that is nigh unfilmable because it's yes, just it's like unfilmable. you just read the thoughts of stuttering bill denbra yeah. and the thoughts of pennywise as they have dueling minds mm -hmm. and it's just like i haven't read this for uh uh 21 years it's been a long time to do the math of how old i am because i said how old i was when i read it it's been a long time since i've read the book too but yeah it's this like they, they fight on another astral plane another plane of existence and which is which goes into stephen king's like thought process he's very lovecraftian mm -hmm. about the way his supernatural uh -huh. creatures work it's like this is this is a, an interdimensional monster that personifies evil therefore he lives on another plane of existence yeah. as well as our own <laughs> and uh so bill and him have a dueling of the minds and i 
Bills takes the form of a big turtle, right? Or is that another monster? No. Oh, is the that turtle his is. <laughs> the turtle is. Am I, right. am I misremembering this? Or yeah. Okay. For, sorry. Um, and this, I, I'll probably get it a little wrong too. Um, so we have in. Uh, I'll preempt one of the awful things. Uh, this part sorry. is. This part is so much of it is so unfilmable. Mm-hmm. It's like really funny that we're. It's even funny to have this many problems with the movie because so many problems also stem from the book. Yeah. Well, it's like, so in this movie, uh, if you're watching this movie, so they made this decision. They're like, okay, let's cut. We just want these movies to be fun. Yeah. And I'm going to say, financially, the right decision. Yeah, There's a reason yeah, the first yeah. movie was, is now the most successful horror movie of all time. Yeah. Because it's not actually scary. No. It's fun. And that's what the majority of audiences want. Which... Which is truly funny. sucks. No, I don't well, think that's I, fine. I, like, I, I yeah. think if you're going to make a movie of a genre, you have to deliver to that genre most faithfully, and the people who love it will come to it. And then to appease a mass audience is just making a society yeah. dumber as a whole. Well, I think that I think it's I think there there can be fun horror movies, and there can be there horror can movies. be sure. There's The Gate, which is fun and uh-huh. like really <laughs> stupid, but like a great fun time. And there's It, which is trying to be fun, yeah. and it doesn't do that well. And it's like. A lot of it's to do with how stupid every like. I, I, I'm sorry, I keep cutting you off. No, both no, no. Of you guys, I apologize. Um, I, I, the, oh, but like, so they cut all the the racism stuff out, and they're like, "But I've got a good idea. Let's boost the very small, uh, very small, not particularly like fairly dated Native American references. Oh yeah, and turn that into a giant awful section of yeah. this movie." Um, not in the book. They in the kids section, and they didn't want to do this in the first movie because this is the weird stuff. Yeah. The kids section, they do the, a smoke lodge ritual where they yeah. hallucinate the history of it. And in the history, um, it is an intergalactic being, and they learn that the, our universe, our universe was created yes. oh, by right. a turtle, basically a a, a turtle that is. Larger than multiple galaxies mm-hmm. that vomited, that vomited, and its vomit, it's so large and so complicated, its vomit inside that is where our galaxy lies. Yeah. Wow. Um, and <laughs> it is on the level of that turtle. Let's yeah. just call it Pennywise. Yeah. Pennywise, uh, Pennywise, Pennywise is just one of its forms, but for sake of. Talking. Which is why they call it it. Yes. Because they don't really know its true name. It's not. Yeah. It's, it's beyond not, names. It's yeah. beyond. It's like it's like what when when I I went uh, uh Veronica I know you went to Hebrew school right. Uh, well, I went to school where they taught in Hebrew. Oh, okay. not... <laughs> so, uh, you went to school in Israel. That's like kind of you know in China they call Chinese food food. <laughs> did did you ever have the conversation with a rabbi or like a uh, like a about what omnipotence means? No, I've not. I've never spoken to a rabbi. Uh, That's a fun fact about me. They just call them men. Yeah, we just call them, you know. Uh, I went to yeshiva. Oh, you are probably way more well-versed in Judaism than I am. So I remember thinking of when I read it originally and the way that is described, it's what I remember 
Judaism talks about omnipotence and what mm -hmm. that means. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, oh, you don't refer, you don't, there's no, there's, God has no true name. And if you do utter its name, it means you're dead and you've learned all that can be learned <laughs> in life and in this dimension and reality. It, it, Judaism gets very metaphysical at certain points. <laughs> and, uh, but it reminds me, Stephen King is trying to communicate that type of an idea. You know, and he also comes from a generation where, if you are a part of a disenfranchised, uh, if you are a disenfranchised member of society, you also know magic. You have magic <laughs> abilities. You are special. You are magic. It's it's um, it's uh, Halloran and the Shining. It's uh, basically it's a native the Native American tribe that founded yeah. Derry. Like it's all all that stuff. It's we can talk guy about the guy in the uh, green mile. Yes, oh, yes, yes, yes. We yes, can yes, talk yes. about the progressive elements stuff. in Stephen King's writing, and I do think like. The use of Adrian Mellon is very, very progressive. That being said, he's still a, a liberal white baby boomer. Yes, yes, yes. Um, So, you know, a lot of his... Yes, well, he'd sure. write The Green it's, Mile it's that's all, just... I mean, it's, like, still, it's, still, yeah. it's, still a, it's still racist to have the only person of color be magic, too. Like, <laughs> yes. uh, like, the Green Mile is... The the magic black man trope of the Green Mile yeah. is very prevalent. Yeah, I mean that because that, that's how, that's how a lot of people wrote in his generation. But he's got Jesus powers. It's okay. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, is, not, not not that it excuses it. It doesn't. But it doesn't, it's also like uh, it's it's such a hacky trope. Yes. That I'm surprised they included it in this movie, which is like, well, why? Hmm. What is why the fuck does the screenwriter hate Mike Hanlon so much? Yeah, it's so pretty, in the it's first terrible. one they took nearly all of his characters. First, they eliminated all the race stuff. Um, uh, instead of uh, it, something is the timeline change. Did they introduce the crack stuff. The crack that the crack fire? stuff is not that stuff. That's not that is book. that is an alteration. So in the original, and some of this makes sense because the original book the kid stuff takes place in the 50s. Yes. So he is one of the only black children going to this school. Yeah, in a, in, a, in a town in Maine in the 50s it's a little bit more like, "Oh, oh, okay. This is a recently segregated school. It's yeah. very different." Integrated, I mean. I'm sorry, recently integrated. Yes. Recently the literal opposite. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh back. boy. Maine was crazy. Jesus, guys, uh, you read a newspaper? Come on. But, uh, but um uh, uh but like you can't <laughs> you can't make a movie set in 1989 and be like this high school just integrated. Um, yeah, that's also a bad look. That's so, like oh boy. But instead they instead they make the decision that like um uh, Bowers and his uh, uh, bullies don't like Mike cuz he's poor. Which I'm like which I think is like okay, that's kind of that's a fine choice. It's like especially cuz you're cutting all the clan stuff. You're cutting all anything that makes a story scary. It's a boy uh, meets world fix of that yes. type of like, you know, it's very yeah. it's a very like TGI Friday. It's like you're poor. <laughs> like, <laughs> like come on. Like that's why we don't like you, not because we're all racist. Um, but so yeah. they do that, but that which takes a lot of his backstory away. Mm -hmm. Then they give all of his characterization to Ben. Everything that makes his yeah. character unique, they give it to Ben. And then in this movie, they make the choice that he doesn't get hospitalized for the end of the story, yeah. which is fine. But then they take this character, who is this incredibly tragic, noble character in, mm -hmm. the, in, the, in the book. He is the one who stays behind. He sees that his friends, when they leave, they forget they forget, they forget all everything. the evil. Mm -hmm. yeah. And they become wildly successful. And we can yeah. talk about the subtext of... 
Um, All the white people in that yeah. t- uh, becoming more successful than the one black guy that stays in town. Yes. Like that's and, that's a wild. And yeah. they're able to ignore the evils, whereas he has to remember them and deal with them. Yeah. So we could talk about the subtext of that. There's a lot of that going in. Yeah. And it's certainly on purpose. Sure, sure. Um, so he, but he chooses to stay on the off chance that it comes back because even though he knows he is sacrificing. Decade, 28 years of his life living in this horrible haunted town, dealing with these memories daily. He chooses to stay to because he needs to be the bearer. He needs to protect future generations. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just like his grandfather shared stories with him. Yeah. And in the movie, they're like, oh, okay, what if we made him a crazy liar? And all yeah. of the scenes is everyone being like, you're a fucking liar, fuck you, Mike. And his parents died because they were crackheads. Yeah, that's Why? the thing I wanted to mention. It's that's like, yeah. so yeah. blatantly racist. Why do like, they so, hate Mike? Come on, I don't... Yeah. In the miniseries... Again, I, I reference the miniseries because it's the thing I, embra- I remember... Like, yeah. I, I, I've, I own it. Yeah. I've seen it since it premiered. Mm-hmm. Like I like have I have better memories of the ser- of the miniseries than I do. Of, I've read I read the book and uh, like when I was thirteen, and I was like, oh, yeah, this, this is this is crazy. <laughs> this is nuts. <laughs> uh, but like, the, but the movie, the original it miniseries does it. it it's three hour long. TV specials essentially put into one, it's, and it's, it's with it's. With, I think it was two two hours with two, commercials. Yes, that's right. That's so right, each half right, is about an hour and a half. Uh-huh. So uh, uh, Tim Curry plays the Penny, Pennywise, in and that. he's amazing. He's wonderful. Bill, Bill Skarsgård's good fun. too. I just he don't like fine. the characterization. I don't. In I, don't think, I think it's weird. It's a lot of like they also do too much to like in the in the Bev scene when she goes to her old house, which is also lost. They <laughs> they I I don't know why they didn't include her not misreading the name. You know what I mean? In the they, book... Oh, Kirsch turns it... Is that it's, not It's in? Marsh turns into Kirsch. That's in the book and that's in the miniseries. They didn't it's do that. also what, in you know? the movie. No, no, it's it not. Is. It's, it is. I, I know, saw it. The only, and the only the end of it is. Not the first part of it. Oh, no. Maybe. So, because she definitely reads her own name and then she says... She like, does? I yeah. thought she just I think it is in this. Kirsch. No, no, no. We are No, we see that. her no, last think, yeah. name. Wow, We okay. see her last name. That Because that blew me away. I was like, why are they not showing this? No, I, I guess they they I guess I missed it. But that... That is a much scarier scene in the miniseries because you truly don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And it's a weirder... Like, I don't remember it that much in the book, but it's one of those things where it's like, it's a scary moment because you think this woman is... It, it, you know, it's a... Um, what's the word? Uh, closure. It's like, you, mm. you think this woman is getting closure because she had this... As who, opposed to the, going for a magical totem. Right, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you, you think she's just going for closure because she had this fucking... She also thinks her dad's still alive. She thinks her dad's... Which is crazy well they don't yeah they don't which they don't even talk about why she thinks that or why she doesn't know well like i get that as an adult you want to tell the story like yeah i get it stephen king left his shitty town of maine or i guess did he does he still live there he lives in maine but i don't know whether he lives in like wherever he was born like the idea of leaving your shitty town and forgetting everything about it in order to like that's a i get that that's kind of that's pretty relatable like I, I, i understand that and like but like you lose that in well, this you, movie. Well, you moved away from the shitty small town yeah, of I New moved, York I moved where you grew up. The, I moved away from the <laughs> shitty town of New York, and I moved to New York, where everything is much the better. The big city. The big city of... From the small town of the Upper East Side to the big city of Midtown. Uh, and, like, I... 
Ah. I do have to hmm. say that that was probably my favorite scene because I thought that lady was so weird. She was yeah. wonderful. Like, that that she lady was turned into actress. a big CG yeah, dummy. Yeah, when that she was... turned into, it was just it was also like her physicality was so was so weird and like when you saw her like sort of like yeah. prancing in the background. There are good performances. They're good yeah. performances. Yeah. I think Bill Hader's performance is a little too beefed up because it is he is good. He's the only one of the main of the core cast that I think is truly having fun. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it's to me it's kinda like saying it's like, oh, he's got a great performance in this movie. It's kinda like saying like like a, like a high school principal going like, look, I know we have a shitty basketball team, but we got a piano in the gym now. <laughs> you gotta come to the game. It's gonna be really entertaining. It's uh, gotta be great. Let's. Um, uh, uh, I want to go back to uh, uh, Veronica. What's the next thing you hated? And uh, well, or rather, was confused about. Oh, yeah, confused like about uh, so. There's uh, the whole thing with like the little kid that's not. I think in the book, right? No, neither of the um, oh child yeah. deaths in this movie. It's yeah. it's so weird when so you're making wild. when you're making a sequel and you're like, well, what if people love my movie? Oh, child deaths. We gotta add some more child deaths. So wild that they just show like, two kids getting murdered with no repercussions. Yes. But also, yeah, that's the thing to like echo back your point about like, okay, like so children are dying. That's why they're back. There's nothing to like indicate that these characters that we know know that this little girl died. Yeah, it's like, irrelevant. There's nothing it in re- it to none like, of them know. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And, like, even with that little kid, it was just, like, wh- why? Why Well, they that? realized their movie was too short. And yeah. they're like, oh, no, we're only clocking in at two hours and 40 minutes. Any <laughs> horror movie that's longer than, like, 200 minutes, which is a long horror movie, yeah. 200 minutes, is already pretty un- in- inexcusable. Yeah. Like, that, like, any, like, movies that are scary should be 100 minutes at max. <laughs> they should be on the shorter side. You have this amount of time to suspend your audience to disbelief. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, with like with, with with a little girl dying, there's no repercussion to it. There's no stakes to it anymore. I don't know what it what I'm supposed to be scared at or not, and it's what makes me so mad at this movie because see, we are all everybody in this time machine, all three of us. Yes. Uh-huh. we are all really toot, toot. good. Toot toot. We're all great audiences. We are all like good audience members. We watch movies. We watch we movies. Pay we ta- we pay attention. We understand story structure. We can get. We can like be entertained. So many people. Why this movie is still number one is because they don't think like that. Mm-hmm. Most general audiences don't think like that anymore. Mm-hmm. They just want to be entertained. They don't care where they where they come from. It's it's mindless entertainment. But they do recognize even the people who don't think like that do recognize that there's something worse about this movie than the first one. I hope the so. The majority, like a lot of them, do. Yeah. You read like the audience scores are down, the critical yeah. reviews are down, and I think a lot of that has to be they sense that. Nothing happens in the middle of the movie. None of the scenes have any bearing. So the movie, this is the same thing we haven't brought up yet. The the movie realized that the adult section are just built around flashbacks. Mm-hmm. So they're like, oh, instead of making the decision to, I don't know, write a new plot involving the adults and come up with new stuff. They're like, I've got it. Let's just have them flashback to ver- like rewritten versions of scenes from the book that we cut out of the first movie because mm-hmm. they were irrelevant. Sure. So we have a series of flashbacks to scenes with the kids 
And don't get me wrong, the child cast still great. They are very good. Very I like the, fun I together. like the kid cast a lot more than the adult cast. But overall. we, as an audience, know these scenes are irrelevant. Yeah. This is what I was talking about about retconning. We know they're irrelevant because they would have been in the first movie if they mattered at all. Mm. Like when they're suddenly like. Oh, hey, Ben, remember when you built that clubhouse? It's like, I don't. Because <laughs> we cut that from the first movie. That was and that made me really mad about the first movie is when they... Because when you see... You are supposed to get that feeling from when they... In the book and in the original miniseries, they build a clubhouse together. This is the Losers Club. Yep. They mm -hmm. are the outcasts of the town. They have... In, in the original miniseries, they actually do a, a better job at communicating this idea. They play that song, It's All Right, by... I, I forget who. I think it's a, a doo-wop group, but... It's, it's a lot of great uh, 50s needle drops. Yes, in it's, a lot, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a 50s throwback, 100%. But they, they're all building the clubhouse in the movie. They're all kids. They're having fun. They're being a team. You get the camaraderie immediately. Mm -hmm. You get that from the book, too, and they all build the clubhouse together. When they go to the Chinese restaurant as adults, like tw 27 years later, however long it's supposed to be, yeah. Yeah. Like you were, they in the miniseries they play that same song again. I was like, the gang's back together. The team is ready to like take on this monster. The they they've formed their bond again, and you lose that energy in this movie so much. Of like, I don't. They could have all been doing separate scenes in a yeah. booth by themselves. <laughs> <laughs> and I I don't mean to. Um, I apologize, Veronica. I don't mean to uh, like uh, cut. Uh, your question in half. No, no, no it's What, fine. you mean like the filmmakers cut the book in half? No, I, I want... There's one thing I wanted to bring up of like adaptations. Mm -hmm. I think I mentioned this before, but like I think Stephen King had a big part in dictating how this movie was going to go. Do you? I, I know that he... Andy Muschietti asked him, he did interviews, asked him, is there any scene in the book that you think we should definitely include? And Stephen King... Um, possibly because Stephen King does not understand what works on screen. Yes. And I said, Stephen King is so good at setting... What makes his scene so scary is he's so good at putting you inside the head of someone and describing yeah. the feeling of being scared. That's really his strength. And it's he so can really effective. Do that. Yeah. But he doesn't get what works on, on screen. So he's like, oh, what's the one thing I want in the movie? Make it the scene where the giant statue of Paul Bunyan comes alive. Yeah. This is just like him in The Shining. When they did The Shining miniseries, he's like, you gotta include those hedge animals right. coming alive. Those, like, so many of Stephen King's ideas are really scary when he describes them. Yes. When he's like, like he, he describes people's inner thoughts better than most writers do. And I, th which is a huge strength. And I think it's really dumb what he thinks is truly scary. Like, <laughs> like the, like the idea of, of way coming is, alive, yeah. Paul Bunyan, and like with The Shining, I know this is a little bit of a tangent, but like uh, some, uh, one theory I, like Stephen King famously hates Stanley Kubrick's mm -hmm. The Shining, and mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of theories going around as to why, but I have one work, I know you have one, and It's I, not mine, but yeah. I have one working theory of like, I think why because Stanley Kubrick was interviewed about adaptations at some point and he was asked I think it was right after he finished The Shining mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and he said uh, it was like what he was asked a question it was like as far as adaptations go how much do you care about staying faithful to the story and he says well a lot of my the works that I adapt because most of his movies are adapted from uh, other novels 
um, he's like a lot of the books, a lot of the books I adapt from are, uh, you know, stupid beach reads. <laughs> it really doesn't matter what you do to them because who fucking cares? Like, <laughs> this isn't great literature. It's dumb. It's a stupid book. Like, Stanley Kubrick, famously a nice guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I, I really like. He, so I know Stephen King has heard that. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that's where it comes from. Because he, in The Shining, he takes away all the things that really wouldn't look good on screen. Mm -hmm. The, you know, hedge mazes coming life, all the others, you know, backstory. A hose hotel. attacking someone. Yeah, all the, all the stuff that's just dumb. It's just goofy. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not scary. It's just dumb and goofy. And it's just like, and that, and those are the things that are like, I think really what Stephen King thinks is really scary. What if inanimate objects come to life? And it's like... <laughs> I think like and with when the Paul, the Paul Bunyan moment is like a great example of like I want to see what adults think is scary. Yeah. Life-size Paul Bunyan statue is what a child might think is scary. What adults think is scary is all the things that they cut from this. Yeah. The serious social evils. All the serious social evils like stand uh I want to see more things of uh, you know Richie Tozier is supposed to be a a disc jockey and master of voices in the book. Yeah. Like, that's his thing. He's like a Casey Kasem type guy. I always and, thought of him as like, a, he's like a Howard Stern. Oh, oh, interesting. I, I can he's see like that. He's like a shock job. I can see that. I think he's definitely more of like the 80s version of that. Like, a, yeah. uh, the, the real well, Don... I, I think of his 80s Howard yes, Stern. Yeah. Like, like, the, like the real Don Steele. He was a DJ <laughs> from the 80s that yeah. Stephen King has said that he loved. He was a Los Angeles DJ that was like, he's, in, uh, he's the announcer in Death Race 2000. Uh, so that's probably maybe then who he was basing it on. Yeah, and uh, and in the in the in the miniseries he's played by Harry, Harry Anderson, who's also a comedian, mm -hmm. and he was like, and then in this he's a comedian. I want to see like in the book they go to a little bit more length as like, fuck it, I want to see like what is his career going anywhere? Like like I want to see adult fears. Like well, what have... are you fucking like like I don't want to see kid fears well, for adults. Veronica, you mentioned when we came out. The, the weird throwaway line that he doesn't write his own jokes. Oh, that's... Yeah. That Why is that in laugh there? so much. I, th I think Bill Hader improvised. <laughs> I want to I say he knew what the score was with this movie and said that, have and you somebody seen, kept it. Have you seen the videos of him on the behind-the-scenes tour just yes. making fun of all the... So um, Vanity Fair did a YouTube video where they have... Each child actor with the adult actor playing their characters yeah. doing a recap of the first one. And it starts with Bill Hader going on a 40-second rant about how stupid the idea of the video is. It's just like, this is fucking stupid. Yeah. Watch the first movie. Read a Wikipedia synopsis. Why would anyone watch this video? It's stupid. And Finn's trying to keep it together. Yeah, Finn will find, like... <laughs> and then for the rest of the video, whenever they cut back, like, they'll cut back to, like, James McAvoy and the Bill character. He's like, yeah, and they were all losers, but they found each other. And then they'll cut back to Bill Hader and it's like, and then they fought the clown, and the clown lost. <laughs> it's just clear that he hates it. It's very funny. Uh, by the way, I want to bring up my least favorite part of the movie. Okay. But I think this is maybe the thing I hated most about the movie, is Bill killing himself. In the, oh, like shooting his, child Shooting Bill. child was... Bill in the head in the... Flooding that was, basement. That's that? visual metaphor that's maybe a little too deep for you to get. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know. I'm Did pretty, I go I'm, to the bathroom? That, that might have been why you went. I, I went, went to the bathroom, to the bathroom during bathroom. the Miss Kirsch scene because I was like, this is in the trailer. I'm fine. So Bill, young, like in his mind, I guess, while they're fighting Pennywise, it, Bill, 
adult Bill Denborough, James McAvoy, and young Bill Denborough, uh, a kid whose name I don't remember, and I apologize to mm. the actor. But uh, 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 they Oh, no, are... I did see that part. It's yes. when they're all yeah. split up at the they're end. They're all split yeah, up yeah, at the yeah. end. Yeah. And they're in the flooding basement, and they're like, yeah, the... <laughs> he's got... young Bill has the... I think it's a nail gun pointed at adult Bill's head... And they're, it's like, it's, it's very, um, uh, oh, uh, goodwill hunting, you know, yeah. it's not your fault. <laughs> and then Bill's like, you're right, it's not my fault. It's your fault. <laughs> just like fucking shoots him, shoots his childhood self in the head. And that's supposed wow. to be him defeating his childhood trauma. Doesn't translate. It's, yeah, it's not great. I just remembered uh, the thing that pissed me off the most about the first movie. Uh, one of the most famous lines of the book. When, uh, in the first few pages, when Pennywise kills kills George Ebra, Georgie asks, does the balloon float? Yes. And Pennywise says, yes, Yes, it floats. It floats down here. We all float we down all here. We all float down here. And when you're down here, you'll, you'll float, float too. too. One of the most famous lines, the first movie cut that line yeah. for some reason, but throughout the rest of the movie... The ghost of Georgie keeps saying, you'll float, you'll float, and repeating it the way they do in the book, but it never happened the first time, so why is he repeating it? Yeah. The one thing I like to... I I, I feel like I have... Gosh, you're reading questions and I keep... No, 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 that's cool. Go for it. Oh, um... (laughs) One thing I liked about the first movie is you see the kids float. Mm-hmm. That's something. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I didn't like that it was in the scene where they... T- well, that's another problem with this movie. They took Audra, Bill's wife, yeah, oh, her story ma- of her being kidnapped, and gave it to Bev, which also they had the one girl get kidnapped and become a damsel in the first movie, which, uh, for movie fans, does not fucking happen in the book. Right, no, it doesn't. Uh, Bev is with them, fighting alongside the entire way. She's the one that, that kills the monster. Like, yeah. Because mm-hmm. she's a great shot. Yes. Which is also lost from the first movie, I think. But it's she, in the miniseries. She, she has a slingshot. She has a slingshot. It's in the book, too. They get, I guess they thought slingshots were old-fashioned, so instead she has that part of the fence that she stabbed, and they bring that back in this movie. They should have just had it's her throw fun. a fidget spinner. <laughs> that would have been fucking hip. Um, uh, uh, Veronica, what's, uh, what's another thing that confused uh, you? Well, this one, I think it was actually in the book, I think. Uh, but... Uh, so Bowers comes to back <laughs> to life. Yes, I did not remember him dying, or like I thought that he was like he, taken by in the first movie. Yeah, yeah, in the first he doesn't die, but he's get he gets lost in this. That was confusing in the in the book. This is poorly done in the new movie. In the mo- in the move in the book in the miniseries, it is communicated better that Henry Bowers was blamed for all the child disappearances and murders of Pennywise in the when they were kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's institutionalized after that. But in reality, he is a traumatized kid who watched his best friend get murdered by Pennywise. Yeah. And that's also his hair becomes white after he sees the ghost in the movie because Which he's is super traumatized. Another very silly element. It's very visually. silly. But, yeah. in, it's very the silly mini- but in the original miniseries, it's insane. It's insane. It's very <laughs> silly. It's creepy. But it's also. It, 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 has that element of like kind of creepy where it's like wait what the fuck is going on yeah it's just kind of surreal yeah it's it is it's it's surreal art and i appreciate it and then like one when he's crazy and in the mental institution which also don't exist by the way like uh, like those types of Mm -hmm. like like mental asylums Mm -hmm. don't exist anymore 
Like it's you're gonna go to Bellevue or you're gonna go to like a hospital with like a room or something. He's like, basically he's in, in like, this movie. He's where like Sarah Connor is in T two. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's that's my point. It's like there are movie loony bins are <laughs> hilarious because it's all people like you know it's it's an eighties trope that doesn't exist in movies anymore. So I was like, why is this? They're here? all at one yeah. floor over cuckoo's nest. Yeah, they're all like you know yeah. barking or like you know jumping up and down. Danny like, DeVito's yeah, yeah. in a corner as Martini. <laughs> Uh, but uh, uh, so I think the thing that con- that uh, confused you about this is because it's very poorly done in this new movie. In the in the book, because again the plot's done very differently. We meet Henry Bowers breaking out of out of the mental institute way before we get to the climax of the children's section, mm-hmm. which happens concurrently with the climax of the adult section in the book. So so many of these things. Stan's suicide is foreshadowing. Yeah. It happens at the very beginning of the book, so you're like, what the fuck happened to these kids yeah. that that dude would rather kill himself than having to st- mm-hmm. think about it again? And now it happens, and we're like, oh, we saw the first movie. Wasn't that scary? Fucking grow some balls, Stan. So they're like, <laughs> we'll fix that by giving him a heroic monologue at the end. Um, yeah, it's pretty... Like, but I was also like, so the whole thing with the Bowers is that, like... His best friend comes back to life and like drives him around. Yes, Patrick so like Cox is Center. that is that a thing that happens? Because we have not seen any of the other kids come back to life. And so Hockstetter so. is an is a, the that that character I think is really just Pennywise fucking with yes. with Bowers as a, a way because okay. he comes back every like ba- like Pennywise has like he does come back like in a cycle every couple of like you know twenty seven years, years yeah. so. This is a manifestation of that, of like him, of when, of when his powers are like, when the cycle is up again and his powers are at their most powerful. I guess he can like manipulate people psychically and is like, oh, my dead friend. I'm not gonna question who this, what's going on. But here. I think it's not Patrick Hoxtetter. because Patrick Hoxtetter is a the, major character in the book yeah. who is one of the most frightening characters. He's just he's a true bully. He's yeah. a true. Hen- well, Henry Bowers is a bully. Patrick Hoxter and a violent bully, yeah. but Patrick Hoxter is mentally ill. Is mentally ill, and we like we get a scene where he uh, takes a pillow and snuffs out his baby brother. Yeah, like we get tons of things in the book that are just disturbing. Yeah, there's and lo- then, it's, it's it, it again more work of like showing how fucked up this town yeah. is, and j- just like it's more it's just like the book is just filled with like. The worst thing you heard that happened to a family in your town—they're all th- they're it's all just nonstop stories like that, and it just creates this oppressive feeling. They're of all nightly. Dread they're and all nightly news headlines that Stephen King heard. Yeah, they're all like things that's like this is what like you know the the, the era of it's ten p.m. Do you know where your children are? Like this is like things that would pop up of like it, you know it, uh, it's it's a stand up bit now, but it's like it's called snuffing and kids <laughs> like so it's just like it, he's writing those into a movie he's right or into a book he's writing all the things that you could you've ever heard on the news at the time of like something happening to kids or like this is what happened like he's just writing all that most of the book is just disturbing image after disturbing image after disturbing we we talked about i think in the book and in the miniseries it's not hoxer that comes to life it's belch belch yes uh who is one of his friends who goes into the sewer with him at the end and they just basically gave that character patrick hoxer's name yeah because because it's i don't get to strike some, to strike that as a silly thing from the movie, but to keep other, to introduce new silly things, because <laughs> Belch is a character that burps. That's a big, that's a big thing. That's a very eighties like kind of, uh, or it's like an eighties like uh, catchphrase type thing. Like it's a very did I do that type of like <laughs> yeah. I'm just gonna birch, belt, 
burp after I say anything, and my name's Belch. It's that. Uh, it's a very charactery thing. Keep that. It's yeah. Not as dumb as old lady with eyes on and teeth on her huge sagging tits, just like wandering <laughs> like like thing. a Tim Burton character, just like <laughs> stilting around. I I think I fought that monster in the Witcher video game, but um, <laughs> I. Uh, uh, so I told you after the movie that like a scene that like the that to me was the most frightening scene when I read the book. I I, I had I had to put the book down after that when I first read it, and it, I remember the scene to this day. Um, we talked about the random death of the little girl in this movie. There yeah. are like kind of quote unquote random child deaths. There are, book. yeah. And one of them is uh, just a child, and he has gotten a bad report card, mm-hmm. and he is afraid to bring it home. Because his dad is a violent drunk. Yeah. And his dad either killed or hospitalized his younger younger brother. brother. Because his younger brother, who's a little boy, knocked knocked something over while the dad was doing um, uh, housework. And the dad was pissed drunk, picked up a hammer... And chucked it at the kid. Mm-hmm. It beamed the kid in the head. I think I, I think he threw it or he hit him. Yeah. And the kid got brain damage. It's a it's a it's like the yeah it's um, it's that shit it's that shit you know shitty poor New England town yeah. with a lot of angry drunks in it. There's like a lot of a lot of stories of abuse. And it's like this it's and we get the a long description of this just real world terror and we're in the head the head of this kid where he's like I have to go home at some point. But mm-hmm. I am so afraid of what's going to happen to me when I go home and my dad asks to see the report card. And so he just runs into the into the woods because he's like, I just for a few like for a few hours, I don't want to go home. Mm-hmm. And then he starts hearing the voice of his dead little brother. Mm-hmm. And then um, he's terrified of some other movie monster. And it's oh, it's a creature from the Black Lagoon. Black Lagoon then yeah. the creature from the Black. He looks down. And he thinks he sees his little brother coming out of the swamp. But if he looks down, it's even worse. It's yeah. the monster from the movie that scared him more than anything. It's a creature from the Black Lagoon, and it comes out. And I think the chapter ends with it ripping his head off. Yeah. It is a lot so more, disturbing. There's a lot more body mutilation in the book of like what, ha- what actually happens to the kids when they yeah. die. There's like head, heads get ripped off, arms get ripped off. Like, like, like. And it's gruesome. And you think about that compared to... Like, the scene with the little girl under the bleachers is a well-done horror sequence. Yeah. But it doesn't... It's startling in the moment. But, like, that scene's never going to stick with you and, like, that's like also make you upset when you think about no, it later. It's it, a different type of horror. That's also not a, that's also not a detail from the book, right? The uh, bleachers? No. no. The, 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 the girl with uh, a birthmark. That was very effective, uh, uh, efficient uh, sh- shorthand. Yes. Because they wanted us to remember that it's the girl from before. Yes. So they gave her a big old birthmark, birthmark on her yeah. face. But that's not like a thing from the... I thought that was like a uh, like a, an Easter egg it or something. It might be, might... but I, I think it would... I, I would guess that it's just they want to make it clear that it's the girl from... Okay. The, the carnival scene. Sure, sure, sure. Um, uh, any, any other things? Uh, why don't you do a quick rundown of any other things you well, can think of? Well, so there was like a whole thing of like, is Richie closeted? And if so, like, who is this BFF? Oh. Because it felt like... They, I thought it was Eddie. Uh, well, no, I thought it was Stanley. Like, okay. for the longest time, and yeah. then they revealed that it was Eddie, I think, at the end. But it was like, 
they kept it seemingly for a reason, like as a hidden thing where he like walks away at the beginning of the movie. But yeah, it's also it was not clear whether they where they wanted to go with that or what the point of that. Well, a few is. things. They're very. They're clearly very. They were very concerned about the purpose of Stan because Stan's death is no longer foreshadowing, no. and also like the whole book, you're reading it like you're reading the kids sections, and every time there's a scene with Stan, it's very kind of sad because yeah. you know what's you know going to happen to him, and you're waiting to see like what horrible things happen to him that lead to his suicide. And he's also like a very good kid. He's yeah, like not he's very as sweet. He's not yeah. as rambunctious as the rest of the kids. He's a Boy Scout. He yep. like knows all the birds. He's a birder. Yeah, yeah. he's a, he's an uh, ornith- he wants to be an Jewish. ornithologist. He's, he's a Jewish, Jewish. kid. Yeah, and a good Jewish boy. Richie Tozier is supposed to be. I think he's also like a closeted Jew in the movie. I mean, the book is cast like, Seth, Seth the, Green and gave him the name Tojo, but I think it's very clear that. Uh, well, I thought I thought Rich, so. In the book, there's a reference in the movie. Uh, was it like his family just do, isn't practicing? That's what because in the book, oh, maybe in the book when Stanley comes back and like terrorizes them as adults, you know, mm-hmm. in like the uh, in the miniseries, it's a, it's the head in the freezer. I, don't, I yeah. can't remember what it is in the book, but it's like the ghost of Stanley, as um, constructed by Pennywise, rather, comes back. And then, uh, st- and Stanley says to adult Richie now, is like, great job, Richie. No one will ever know. And I'm just like, oh. And to me, maybe this is just me as a Jewish person reading it <laughs> something. It's like, is that a Jewish kid tell, like, n- letting another Jewish kid know? It's like, don't worry. Interesting. <laughs> they, do, they do have Finn Wolfhard at... Um... At his bar mitzvah. But like, but that, you, also, you read that as they're just closer friends. So yeah, so I wasn't, because they set up the whole, like, him carving into the bridge is sort of a mystery of, like, who's the, yeah. like, what is he doing? And then they proceeded to have the scene at the arcade where he, like... With the other bully. Yeah, yeah. with the other where bully. He's, he's clearly got a crush. So all... So, like, and then, like, there's the scene with... Uh, the Stanley bar mitzvah mm-hmm. and then like they sort of I think belatedly I don't know if they had marks to that before like go into like him like being close to Eddie like as he's about to die he is... it Sorry. just seemed like what like what is this I, yeah. I don't know yeah. I, I, only, I thought Richie was Jewish only because he's wearing a yarmulke uh-huh. And none of the other kids that are at the bar mitzvah. Are. I don't think any of the other uh, kids are. I thought he was well, the none only of the, one. None of the losers are at. You're none, none about the other, other kids. Other kids there. that were in the okay. shot. Oh, I'm gotcha. like, oh, because also like I, I, I had a bar mitzvah where non-Jewish kids went and they didn't wear yarmulkes. Wait, you know what's so. fucking weird? I thought there were eleven. So I this think is, they're supposed I, to be thirteen. Oh, did they? Oh, they aged them up in the. Okay, they yeah, aged yeah. them up in the movie. Okay. In the movie, they aged them up. I think yes, yeah, so that makes sense. There's no bar mitzvah scene in the book because he was practicing for his bar mitzvah yes. in the first movie. Okay, mm-hmm. um, so uh, so the closeted Richie thing. There is when I first read the book. Um, uh, I I'm trying to think of like this is just my understanding of it later because I wonder if I even would have picked up on this when I was 11. But at some point, I always interpreted Eddie as being closeted. Because there's a whole thing, like, he's got um, oh my a God. mother with Munchausen by proxy. That's not in the book, though, is it? Well, there. so he is, he has this loveless marriage to this woman who's clearly just like his, just like his mother. Is that in the book? And she's, uh, Eddie does. And she seems like, she may be a beard. And he's, right. his personality, Eddie's personality is very different in the book. He's a little like, he's a like hypochondriac. Like, yes. He's not a 
He's not a, pot, a potty mouth. I mean, the kid in the movies is great, but he's very different in the book. He doesn't yeah, swear at all in the movies yeah. or in the original yeah. miniseries. No. No. Um, but so in the, in the book, book so I always read it that uh, that the big thing that people make that made that people think Eddie is closeted in the book is that he, the the form that Pennywise takes is a um, a leper who is comes out, and they had had conversations yeah. that homeless men. Give each other blowjobs in that that uh, old abandoned house, and the kids mm-hmm. are talking about that. And yeah, oh yeah, he thinks it's it. so gross. And so the leper comes out and says, "says Hey, hey, Eddie, I'll I'll suck your dick for a quarter or something." Mm-hmm. And um, obviously, it's thing. his fear of disease because it's a leper, and the description yes. of his like face falling apart is mm-hmm. so gross yeah. in the book. It's so gross, and. Um, but like a lot of people have also read, is it also with the whole blowjob, because Pennywise can kind of read their minds, is he also taking that form because Eddie as a child, as a as a boy, might be afraid of um, his own sexuality. Right, yeah. Which um, I think is also, but to- I, I buy that. Like so it's that. hinted at, and then other people, and I only realized this in the f- last few years while reading about it, other people have interpreted Richie as potentially being gay because even though he's depicted as maybe like kind of a womanizer as a, as like this famous DJ, um, I believe um, there is a f- first off that the sequence of him free, like really freaking out over Eddie's death as an adult that is in the book. He, him yeah. being like we can't leave his body here that is in the book, and there also is a, a scene in the book where <laughs> Richie eats Eddie's popsicle. And oh, it is yeah. written oh, right. incredibly, and I that I did not pick up on it as a kid, but I I've since seen point, people pointed out online. Not either. It yeah. is written incredibly homoerotic. Right, right, right. Um, I'm gonna suck your rocket. Is I think the line. That's right. Oh, oh shit! I didn't even clock that. And but I feel like that could also be as referenced earlier, just Stephen King being like. Yeah, that's also weird. something. Well, there is. There's other like, <laughs> like there's other like pu- puberty like homoerotic like pu- like the there's bullies a... give each other hand jobs. Yeah, yeah. And while Bev watches, that's a whole. Weird that's a whole scene. part of the thing. That's also, <laughs> that's also a part cool. of the abuse, and that's all. It's also yeah. like, like, I hate. I don't mean to shit on New England. I apologize for, my New Eng- for our New England time time travelers, but like, you know, Stephen King grew up in the fifties in a shitty town where I'm sure there was a, a house where old hobos blew each other, and like, and and yeah, hey, if your town was, didn't have a house where old homeless sure. hobos blew each other, it's like where were you living? But again, but again, that, that goes back to how haunted this town yeah. is. You don't you you repress things like sexuality. Mm. You don't you don't talk about things that make you uncomfortable like homosexuality yeah. and then what what happens you have a bunch of closeted homeless people that need to go to abuse kids or jerk off in, a, <laughs> in, a, in an old abandoned house because our, us as a society have told everybody that this is a wrong way to think yeah. and we we guilt each other into becoming psychopaths but um to go <sighs> back to your to your question uh, veronica so there is stuff in the book that uh, f- before the movies, people have interpreted as either Eddie 
or Richie or both of them potentially being gay. In the miniseries, it's weird. It's weirder because they apparently they, wanted to write. Um, they they wanted to write Eddie as gay in the miniseries, and they made it that he's uh, not married, but his mom is still alive, Instead, and he's more of like. And they made him a virgin. They made him a virgin. That's right. That which is mm-hmm. a strange. It's a it's, it's a, a really very, strange thing. Apparently, they wanted to give him a male lover, like he lives with a male lover yeah. in the in the miniseries. Yeah. But it, like someone was like no, and which is it's <laughs> that's tough because you know it's a it's a '90s TV movie, so they yeah. pro- someone uh, probably kiboshed that idea, which kind of yeah. yeah. But I think the reason we get the giant uh, we get the giant um, Richie being closeted storyline is because they wanted to include the Adrian Mellon stuff, yeah. but because they've cut out all the other things about bigotry, there's no reason to have Adrian Mellon here except unless it has some connection to one of our adults. But it feels like it, they never connect that dot, you know? Like, no, they don't. Because it, it, it never, we never see that, we don't even know that Richie knows that it happened. Yes, I, like, they don't. We don't. Like, we don't see the effect of that on him at all, or like how that awakens no. any sort of like... Unlike in the book, they find out about, so do you, do you remember there's a shot in the movie where when Adrian Mellon is getting beat up, he reaches for his inhaler. Right. That's right. And that's in the book that when Mike is describing the incident to the adults when they first get there and they say it's an like he was a young gay man who a young gay asthmatic um Eddie instinctively grabs his inhaler. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like it's already made clear that Eddie feels a connection with that character. Mm-hmm. Um, either and again, that's another piece of evidence that people have pointed to that Eddie might be gay. I think that, and which is which I think could be like a yeah. I, but I th- I think they were like as Stephen King explains it, it that could make sense. It, yeah. That, not necessarily, but like yeah, the way yes. he weaves this tapestry as what he I think he wants to communicate. I think I think when they were like we we're including Adrian Mellon because it's an important scene in the book but it's no longer important for the story we're telling. <laughs> so we're just going to show a young gay man get beaten to death. We need to show have some good gay representation. And I think they were also like, we need very clear character arcs for these adults yeah. because since we took out the kids section and made it a separate movie, there are no arcs for the adults anymore. Because it's so... Let's add this thing which feels insanely dated in twenty. Like, I don't want to tri- trivialize homophobia in twenty nineteen. Well, there there are but still unfortunately hate crimes. So yeah, no, sucks, I'm thinking but... the thing that I find weird is like, it seems weird that there would be a famous stand up, uh, a famous stand up in twenty nineteen. I guess this actually takes place in twenty sixteen. Yeah. But um, <laughs> totally different time. Yeah. Man. I don't like. Yeah, maybe I'm trivialized. And then yes, I'm sure there are 38 year old famous standups or famous entertainers who are closeted. So I'm that's, sure. It, but it does. The storyline feels feels a little it feels f- retro. It feels and forced, it, and it feels like they're trying to communicate a complicated and and uh, slightly nuanced idea. In not a very professional way. Yeah. Also, I, a big issue I have with uh, Richie Toju's stand-up is it sounds like it sucks. Yeah, <laughs> it is terrible. Like well, I, 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 my girlfriend caught me masturbating to her friend's Facebook post. I think is what the yes. he leads his special with. <laughs> yes. to, to be That's fair, a shitty joke. To be fair, he's hacky in the book and miniseries too. The he's hacky in the book in in like kind of a, like a Casey Kasem way or like a real Don Seal. Well, he does, he does, does racial stereotypes. 
Yes, oh, that's right. He does Fuck, in both, right. and they keep that in the miniseries. Shit. One of his famous characters is like guy, uh, a guy being afraid that Godzilla is attacking. Yeah, it, that's what they, they we see that God. in the miniseries pretty, is yeah. that he's being a Japanese guy, and one of <sighs> that's his, pretty rough. Yeah, his characters in in the book, if I remember, it's like he does a gay voice and oh, he boy, does yeah. oh, and he yeah. does like an offensive Chinese voice. Yeah, so he is presented as being a hack. Very a successful, successful hack. hack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, true. It, I think they all are very successful, but there's something... They all have something that's missing. And in this book, Maybe we that's just... Not, actually, now that you say that, it might be a funny thing of, like, I write my own jokes. That's the thing. That's his... That's his albatross. Yes. That's, like... <laughs> Bev has to deal with an abusive husband, and Richie doesn't write his own jokes. He's creatively unfulfilled. <laughs> that's that's the patriarchy. Yeah. <laughs> um, we've been talking for a very long time. Let's do it. If the, any more you have, let's try to do it. Let's do a quick uh, run through. I don't think I really have any, to be honest. I think those cool. are the big ones. Yeah, I. Um, so I, I talked about my, the things I hated the most were just the way both movies did Mike Hanlon dirty. We talked about how I've been saying this for a few years. They're, the movies aren't faithful. They say they're faithful, but when you take out all these elements, it's not faithful. Mm-mm. So they should have rewritten huge chunks. They should have cut a kid. Mm. Seven main characters is too much That's for a movie. That's a lot for a movie. It's, when, it's enough for a book. Yeah, because you get the time. You watch the first one, and it's like, this character walks into a room, boo. This character walks into a room, boo. And in the next movie, it's even worse. This character walks into a room, has a flashback, boo. Comes back to the present, boo. This character walks into a room, flashback, boo. And so it's so... That's why the second act is so fucking boring. Yeah. Um, but, uh... uh yeah, I we talked a bunch. Why don't we? So we always give a grade to the movie. Okay. Uh, we give a letter grade. Um, so why don't we? Uh, why don't we do that? Um, uh, three. I can't, let me think of what I'm doing. Um, all right. Uh, uh, one, two, three, C a plus. plus. <laughs> I said D plus. You said C plus. I said C plus. F. I, wow. I don't I don't give I never yeah. give credit for unfinished work. <laughs> wow. I think this work was I think this was a either a rush job or a hack job and some someone made a decision to make it uh, a worse movie than it could have been. People sat on stuff that could have been explained a little bit easier. Us explaining about that house with the the, the, the yeah. If Stanley Kubrick directed this movie, here's a shot that would be in the movie. Hey, what's that house over there? Oh, I don't know. And then you see, like, maybe two guys suck each other's dicks. And one's in a bear costume. (laughs) And one's in a bear costume. Exactly. And then it's like, and then move on. And then that explains a little bit of, like, dark shit going on in this town. There's, like, lots of stuff going on. There's, like, all, there's this, there's that. There's, it would would be done way, way more subtly. Mm -hmm. It's, it's funny that I'm, letter-wise, the most positive on this movie, considering I really didn't like it, but I think it might be because I didn't like the first one. So Mm -hmm. I wasn't surprised by this one being bad, whereas you liked the first one. And I do, I'll say this again, to anyone out there who really liked the first one, I think it is a fun movie. I just think, I I just didn't like, I was like, this isn't what I like about the story, yeah. and I think it's going to come back to bite them, and I, it did. I would, I think it would have been much better if they had just ended the first movie with like, and what happens next? 
read the book and then <laughs> and then a wink what if instead of like they do the Nick Fury ending but instead yeah. of like Bev getting a call from Mike which is what they originally wanted to do they just have Stephen King come out and be like the book's available now <laughs> uh, oh Stephen King gets, gets a cameo yeah, yeah. Oh, can, can, I, can I quickly list Please. off the cameos that I thought were hilarious in this movie and shitty oh Stephen so, King <laughs> Jesus. Stephen King uh, uh, Peter the, Bogdanovich, the, uh, oh, a yeah. classic director, Peter Bogdanovich, <laughs> plays I think himself. I, yeah, in the, say, yeah. In, they do call him Peter. Yeah, they yeah. call Peter Bogdanovich is apparently uh, directing an adaptation of a Bill Denver book <laughs> that Bill Denver is writing the screenplay for. Yep, yep. Uh, which is also a, a big thing in the in the miniseries and the and the book is yeah. uh, obviously Bill Denver is the Stephen King stand-in the, the, sure. the placeholder and then the third one is um, in the scene when we first see adult Ben Hanscom uh, there is a, oh yeah there's a guy in the meeting who is like this building is going to be great uh, that actor originally played young Ben in the miniseries. Oh, I always an older dude. I just learned that. I thought that was cute. I, you know, that made me mad. Really? <laughs> Honestly, because I'm like, well, because they cut, his name is Brandon Crane. He's a very talented actor. You'd recognize him from television. And he is a regular looking dude. Mm-hmm. Not a movie star. No, no, like, obviously I'm sure he's a very, you know, I'm sure his wife thinks he's handsome or whatever, but like, <laughs> like, you know, he's not a movie star. He's not a movie star. Yeah. Like, and everyone. He has a face only his wife could love. Yeah, like, come on. Like, uh, whatever. I, I don't know this guy, but like, I'm sure he's fine in circles. Like, uh, I think like, if, something I think would have made this movie so much better mm-hmm. on Simple Fix I don't think any of the... They should look like real people. I don't think Mm -hmm. the adults should be played by movie stars. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think you gotta get, like... Your John Lithgow's in there. You're, like... uh, Or, you know, someone younger. But, like, someone that looks like... Someone that doesn't look like James McAvoy, Jessica Chastain... Uh, uh, whoever uh, that dude, I'm, uh, whoever, Isaiah Mustafa. The, Isaiah Mustafa, the guy who the guy who plays Ben Hanscom, which looks nothing like the cute pudgy kid from the first movie. Well, no, they Jerry pl- O'Connell him. They really Jerry O'Connell him. <laughs> well, he's. It's, I mean, he's supposed to have lost weight. I don't know if the book really gets into. He became the hunkiest man yeah, ever. In the yeah. in the miniseries, John Ritter's kid. It, it should have been Jason Ritter. I think would have oh. been much better. It's also because it's like yeah. in the miniseries, it's. Little Brandon Crane grows up into John Ritter, mm-hmm. adult John Ritter. Not a crazy leap. To what be if honest. they had gotten all the child actors from the miniseries? That'd be so, that. They that, had Seth Green playing Richie Toast. That'd be really tough because uh, uh, Jonathan Brandis uh, committed oh, suicide. Oh right, mm. he's no longer with us. I think another one of the child Is actors. He is he Stanley by any chance? No, he's that Bill. That would work out. He's Bill, unfortunately. <laughs> uh. like, or, I think another one of the kids uh, is no longer with us. Unfortunately, I did some research. It's, uh. a, it's a sad. It's a sad story. But like okay, I, just Seth Green. That's just Seth Green. I think they should have brought Annette O'Toole back as the old woman. I mean, oh. That would have been interesting. Well, she old enough? Because that movie's no, only they, 20 years old. I mean, like, they, they could have make up her yeah, up She's adult like, Bev in the She's series. adult Bev in the miniseries, and she's wonderful. Uh, and I thought, I love uh, Kid Bev. Uh, yeah, um, she was really good. What's yeah. her name from Sharp Objects? She's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, really Sharp Objects. That was that was a great miniseries. It really was. Uh, I good, good book too. I read it uh, last Me year. Me too. I loved it. Um, 
Jillian, you know, Stephen King's got to take a lesson from this Jillian Flynn character. Yeah. She knows how to write a book. <laughs> well, she writes her books for movies because mm-hmm. she's mm. like uh, she's smart. She's yeah. very. She knows she can sell them as screen as uh, which is what you do. Yeah, that's what yeah. you do as a, as a novelist. It's the uh, the the Michael Crichton technique. Mm-hmm. Also, the Peter, the William Peter Blatty technique. Oh, is that true? He wrote. William Peter Blatty wrote The Exorcist. Uh-huh. He wrote it as a novel because nobody would produce it as a screenplay. His uh-huh. his other his movie credits before that was he was a script doctor for The Pink Panther and worked a lot with Blake Edwards. Oh, and shit. He, and he wrote the well, sequel. Exorcist is very funny. It's very funny. It's very funny. And he wrote the sequel to The Pink Panther called A Shot in the Dark, which is really good. And he uh, pitched the story of The Exorcist to... William Friedkin. Uh-huh. He was like, I love this. You gotta write the novel of this because no no movie studio is gonna make a book about this. He writes the novel, it becomes a bestseller, and then the uh, uh, options are bought immediately after it's published. What a... That is such a writer story. Mm-hmm. I love your idea. Here's what you have to do before I'd ever make it. Yeah, yeah write a whole book <laughs> whole and book. make sure it's successful. Write a whole um, book. Delve into more backstories that we never see in the movie. Yes. Um, cool. I also, like, so this is, so Dave, you're our first guest on the show, so you gave this movie an F, mm-hmm. and I wonder if we're going to start seeing that all of our guests' grades are way lower <laughs> than ours, because our guests don't have to watch as many terrible movies as we do. That's Because, like, when you watch something like, as bad as It Chapter 2 is, and it's bad. Mm-hmm. But it's not Men in Black International bad. No, there's plenty of, uh, you know, F is a harsh, I judge it only from... From how good the source material is? Not even that. I judge, I judge, I, my F grade is just from audience member walking out of the theater being like, what was that? It's (laughs) just purely cinematic of like, you can, because there's plenty of not that great adaptations of Stephen King's work that are still fine movies, Mm. like... I can't even think of one that I particularly <laughs> like, but like, Carrie's a good movie that's from like a pretty okay Stephen King Misery. story. I think, Misery. Yeah. Uh, the Shawshank Redemption is actually a better movie than the short story. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Stand by Me. Yeah. Stand by Me, I think, yeah. is better than the story. Green Mile is better than the story. Um, I never Tower. saw that movie, but I read Dark, that book for some reason. Dark Tower, I didn't like either. I, 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 I <laughs> I've not seen it. I don't know. If it's you, have you read all the books? No, I just read the first one. I was going to say, you're like, I didn't like it either. I'm like, are you one of those people who like read all like 10 books? It's like, I don't like it, but I better finish it. I definitely was when I was younger. And Uh I think the Dark Tower came to me at a point where I was like kind of past that. Because I read Dreamcatcher. Mm-hmm. And that's only because Curtis Gwynn was like, it's the worst book he's ever written. <laughs> I gotta read this. Uh, and it was. It was bad. It was, and it was, he, was, he wrote it all after he got hit by a car and he was on Oxycontin. Oh, and God. Stephen King's... And that's not his drug. I know. And it was, Stephen King is a fascinating individual in just the sense that he constantly writes. Mm-hmm. He, he never stops writing. He writes about everything that fucking happens to him. And it all goes into his work. And when he got hit by that car, I read his book about writing, which is actually interesting if, if you're interested in writing. On writing. Want, mm-hmm. It's called but On it's, Writing. Yeah. And it's, if you're interested in being a writer, I highly recommend reading it. He gives good advice and he, and he like really talks about writing very well. But he wrote, he started writing it before his accident. Mm-hmm. And he finished it after his car accident. And then he introduced parts of his accident to the book later on when he went back to rewrite. We're talking about Dreamcatcher, not on writing. No, no, on writing. Oh, really? Yeah, on writing, 
he talks about his accident. Oh. And he talks about, like, there there are parts earlier on, there, clearly he wrote this part before his accident and then inserted, like, this was the roughest thing that ever happened to me in my writing career. That was before I got into a car accident where I was in bed for eight months. And it was like, <laughs> so it's clearly Aww. with him. Yeah. It's clearly with him. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's heartbreaking <laughs> to read because it's like he's a guy that, as, an, as a child, clearly went through some trauma that he's processing through his books. Whether it's like, you know, I don't, I don't want to make any assumptions, but like, you know, he's dealing with something. And then now, as a, a post-middle-aged man, as, an, as geriatric at this point, he's still dealing with trauma. Like, his own, like, he never stops talking about and it. And the now. literary world reaps the benefits. <laughs> um, I got, can I give one recommendation of a good Stephen King thing mm-hmm. that I, I love? Um, so a few months ago, uh, uh, in, in the lead-up to the last season of Game of Thrones, when a younger me was so excited, um, yeah. I watched, there is a, a lecture, a, like, uh, not a lecture, but, like, a, a conversation in front of a st- uh, an audience between Stephen King and George R.R. R. Martin. Right. And oh, yeah. It's all on YouTube, and it's great because Stephen King is, like, such a like cool chill dude <laughs> and George R. R. Martin is so clearly has no social skills yeah <laughs> and so like they're doing the interview and it's Steve Martin it's Steve Martin it's Stephen Steve Martin. King oh. keeps try, keeps like prompting George uh, to like to, to tell cool stories and he'll tell stories and the audience all laughs and then like and he's like and they're like, here's this funny story that happened to me. And everyone laughs. He's like, well, what about you, George? And George's like, let me tell you about my favorite movie theater in the town I grew up in. Yeah. And it's a, lot, it's, a lot of like, it's a lot of rehearsed. It's a lot of, he's clearly the type of guy who I don't think he can really riff. Yeah. Like Stephen King can kind of just kind of chat and talk and like be social. It's probably what made him super successful is because yeah. he can really like, he does have people skills and he's kind of, he's pretty funny and can relate yeah. like things. He, like, is probably great in meetings. It's like, you yeah. know. Uh, and George R. R. Martin, the... I know he doesn't have social skills because the most detailed things he writes about is the way people eat <laughs> and the way people fuck. And only he thinks people fuck like this. <laughs> like, there's no way he really, like, has experience with that. It's like, this is how he thinks the human body works. It's like, this is like, yeah... Uh, it's funny you you mentioned that because like um, famously the book it features a scene where all the eleven oh year olds have sex with each Can't other. Can't believe we didn't figure this. We didn't get uh, to this part. This well, that's, is like, that's the thing that people who haven't read the book love to talk about about the book because they yeah. think that's. I think most people think that's the only scene in the book. It's um, no. It, it's it's it. Oh, we sh- I I know we're going over time. I apologize, but we, I, we the, the, it bears. Should be brought up that in the book there is a scene, and people have called it an orgy. It's not. It's way more dark than that. It's eleven-year-old boys and one girl. You guys do the math. Like Uh, that's pretty rough. It is, but it's the way they all get out of the sewer. It's the way they've reasoned in their mind of like this is we're all crazy. This is the only way we can get out. And they so they fuck each other to get out of a sewer. They all to bring them together. Uh, it's Stephen King oh, has gosh. done interviews where he's like, "Here's what I was thinking." Yeah, it, it, it's um, pretty it, rough. Like, when you hear it, he's like, "He's like, you're like, okay, it you didn't, it doesn't didn't, work." Yeah. But the thing is, like, people have always like for years been like, "That scene's gross and hard to read," but it's to, to be fair, beautifully written. <laughs> it's all from the perspective. <laughs> it's all from the perspective of Bev, 
And it's like, but like, yeah. so you compare that to George R. Like, people are like, I hate this sex scene. But like, it's a, dude's a pretty good author. And then you compare that to the sex scenes in uh, the Game of Thrones book. Yeah. Uh, I, know, I know we're going long, but I, if you guys ever read or watched the series Night Flyers... No. no, that's George R. R. That's Martin's George R. R. Martin's. Yeah. That's his. That was what he wrote before Game of Thrones, and the book is a series of short stories. One of them called Night Flyers, which is about a space team that finds a parasite that's sort of vampiric and like mm. it, it sucks the life out of them. It was made into a movie in '88, which was terrible and very hard to find. What's it called? <laughs> Night Flyers. Okay, because it and sounds like a plot of uh, Life Force. Uh, I don't remember. I th- it was a Life Force ripoff. It came after Life Force. Yes, yeah, it came out after Toby Hooper. That, yeah, that's, I, which I, is one of my favorite movies. I've Life attempted Force. to watch that multiple times, and I've fallen asleep every time, and, which is crazy because <laughs> that movie features. Just beautiful people walking around naked, killing people. And Patrick Stewart. And Patrick Stewart. <laughs> Aww. It's space. It's hot space vampires and Patrick Stewart. It's a great movie. It's, you watch it like, like you're like, uh, uh, do you? You be like, do you know there's like a prestige British movie made directed by Toby Hooper of all yeah. people, in which one of the most beautiful women of all time just walks around fully nude killing people mm-hmm. and she's a space vampire and you're like that's not a real thing it's a real thing another are you, are other you movie referring based... to Helen Mirren who's the most beautiful <laughs> <laughs> most beautiful space vampire ever to I, exist she's a good looking lady she's wonderful <laughs> have you ever seen Caligula uh, I've seen clips of it I've never <laughs> seen <laughs> uh, she's topless in Caligula <laughs> I can see that <laughs> she's uh, she's I love I love uh, Helen Mirren interviews. I watch, yes. I go down a rabbit hole watching them. She's seems like such a cool lady. I, know. I really want to meet her. I love the idea that people listen to our two hour <laughs> podcast on it, and it's like it's like yeah, it's it, they talk for too long about the movie, but if you stick with it, they do describe which actresses from the eighties had the best boobs. Uh, all right. <laughs> well, on this note, um, maybe we should wrap up. Um, yeah. Should we see? Um, what is, uh, oh, are we doing a retro review next week? I think we probably are going to do a retro review of a movie to be determined. Sure. So on our uh, on our modern movie weeks, um, we end the episode, uh, Dave, uh, by uh, discussing is there any other recent movies you saw and just do a quick um, endorse or not endorse. Okay. Um, uh, Veronica, you and I saw Cold Case Hammershold. That was such a long time ago. Is that yeah. the last movie you saw? Well, we didn't uh, discuss it on a retro. We haven't done a modern movie in a few weeks. That's true. Do you want to talk about it? Uh, it's a documentary. I didn't really like it. Ah. Uh, I So I have endorsed the, uh, the uh, movies of that director mm-hmm. in the past. Uh, he's the dude who made... He's a Danish guy. I forget his name exactly, which is bad. Uh, but he did a movie called The Red Chapel. Oh, he does like yeah. stunt more like stunty docs, uh-huh. uh, where he uh, traveled to North Korea as part of like uh, a theatrical troupe mm-hmm. to sort of see what that is. And the whole movie is them trying uh, basically falling under the influence of the North Koreans and trying to sort of like who are trying to shape their traveling show into a thing that doesn't exist. Oh, okay. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Uh, it's it's very interesting. It's a, and I really enjoyed it a lot more than uh, Cold Case Hammerschuld, which I I did find interesting, but it was definitely not as engaging as the. We also did a bottomless brunch beforehand, and it wasn't <laughs> yeah. like the movie to watch. Well, yeah, the thing is, is that like it. There's a lot of information up front about what <laughs> happened 
And, the history of the UN. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I, I very much, like, I did not doze off, but I was very close to it. Um, uh, is there anything uh, else you would like to The see? other movie I saw recently um, didn't make it to number one, but it's very uh, uh, Ready or Not, um, the mm-hmm. new uh, uh, thriller comedy. I want to see that. Um, it is, it kills me because it's so close to, like, it's one of these movies, the ones that, like, make me so sad. It's like, like, they're just on the edge of being truly great. Mm -hmm. Like, I want to tell you guys, this movie fucking rules. Um, It has a a very slow second act where um, the main villains are off screen for a very long time for a narrative reason. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, they're saving them for something. Um, But uh, in that section becomes so much less fun it forgets that it's a comedy for about t- uh, 15 minutes okay and despite Damn. the fact that uh, Samara Weaving um, uh, the lead actress uh, the niece of Hugo Weaving um, oh. she is fantastic everyone in the cast is excellent um, uh, and she she's tremendous um, but that that little part in the middle is it slows down a bit okay that being said first uh, first 45 minutes last half hour so much fun okay. it's a real treat check it out all right, mm-hmm. cool. Uh, I saw well, I saw Hustlers today. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, how was that? It was pretty fun. Uh, I thought it could have been a lot more fun, and I feel like those types of movies, obviously not to that extent, but much like Showgirls, when you're attempting to sort of uh, like have a point about such work as stripping, yeah, while like also objectifying the actresses that are doing it while right, trying to like make right. a point about how it's objectifying women mm-hmm. so like I'd, i mean that movie did not solve that issue okay having said that it's a very interesting like story in and of itself it's sure. based on a true story who directed it uh i forget her name uh but yeah she like that woman uh wrote and directed the movie okay j-lo looks very Amazing. Sure, of she, course. She, yeah. it's, 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 it's in her well, contract. She with, has to. She, yeah. She that, looks, wait, what? It has, she has to look amazing. It's in her. I'm sure it's in her contract. She has to. Is look that like a the Fast and the Furious guy? Yeah, the Rock yeah. or Vin Diesel. A hundred percent. If you're that famous, if you uh, that level of celebrity, a hundred percent think like J Lo insists that she will not walk out in front of camera until she thinks she looks fucking perfect i mean she is like the things that she has to do there's a very well done and super glamorous looking striptease Mm -hmm. uh uh scene which is how she's introduced in the movie and that seems like she's doing things in there that are so impressive from like a purely like physical Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. standpoint and she's 83 years old (laughs) yeah she's like a thousand years old Uh, is she i mean uh, she's a mummy yeah. <laughs> I mean, what is she like 45, maybe? I mean, so she is supposed Ooh, to be playing someone in her 30s. I believe oh, she's in whoa. her late 40s. Yeah. She does not look it. She mm-hmm. looks yeah. great. So I'm just, it's these fucking actors who you're yeah. like, I know you were famous when I was a kid. How are we starting to look the same? <laughs> How are you playing my age right now? So, uh, the person who directed this movie, uh, her name is Lorene Scafaria. Okay. And her, you might know her from The Meddler, uh, directing The Meddler, which I believe is I the Diane Keaton movie where she meddles in the love life of her daughter, uh, Mandy uh, Moore. Oh. Oh, no, that's a different movie. Oh, no. It's is a different. Uh, I think this is a different plot. 
an aging widow from New York City follows her daughter to Los Angeles in hopes of starting a new life after her husband passes oh, away. Oh, who plays her daughter? Uh, it's Susan Sarandon and Rose Byrne are uh-huh. the two. So I got entirely confused. Interesting. Because I Said So is the movie that I was referring to. Because I, I Said So I Remember. Yes, uh, that's very funny. And Seeking a Friend at the End of the World, which I believe was that Steve Carell, Kieran Knightley oh, movie. Oh, she did oh, yeah. that? Yeah, so she directed the. Oh, interesting. Uh, huh. And so this is, her, is this her third or? So this is her third feature. Okay. She's uh she's directed a bunch of uh, New Girl episodes. Oh, well, oh fun. Okay. And something called This Is Heaven, a TV movie. Okay. Uh, anyway, so I, I saw that, and yesterday I saw Good Boys. How was that? I thought it was so cute and sweet. Okay. I, I really want to watch that. I really enjoyed it. I just. It just, I mean, the the kids do raunchy things, but it never feels like it's sort of like unmotivated uh, yeah. or like out of character for sure. kids those age. Yeah. And that age. And also their innocence p- coupled. It's just, well, it was like. It? Really... Kids in age have gangbangs. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just like they have like the, their, like their innocence feels very true to their age. Sure, sure. And it's in, in, yeah, I, I really had a great time. I mean, towards the end, it's sort of like it's an hour and a half, but it feels like a bit long. Uh, an hour, there. an hour and a half is. A blessing these days. Oh, and now like, it was like it was. I'm not gonna say dragged, but it definitely feels like there's like a part towards the end that sort of like uh, makes it longer. Sure. Yeah, for, guys, we're still watching. And people don't realize we're still watching it. Chapter two. <laughs> it chapter two is still going. We're recording we, this in the theater. I've already formed my thoughts before it's over. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I I had a really great time with the Good Boys. Good or boys. Is it Good Boys? Just Good Boys. Is the, I'm so glad we liked the movies we saw recently because we're so frequently negative on yeah. this podcast. I love. I want to see Good Boys. It's next on my. Good Boys and Ready or Not are both on my list to see. Yeah, next. Ready or Not is something. Well, we'll see, see which one of us was more persuasive when you choose which one to see next. <laughs> Uh, Dave, have you seen anything else recently? Yeah, I saw The Farewell in theaters. Oh, I saw and that I one. really liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, honestly, it was one of my favorite, like, I think it's my, like, next to Midsummer, my my favorite movie I saw in theaters this year. Oh, wow. Uh, I think it's just a really nice movie. It's just a really nice, uh-huh. sweet movie. It's heartbreaking towards the end. It's heartbreaking I towards the cried. end, but yeah. it's heartbreaking towards the end. I definitely cried, but it's not the sob fest I thought it was going to be when I walked in. True, yeah. It's like just a, it's not, it's definitely not like a light drama. It's a heavy drama, but it's, it's done so beautifully. And when, you know, when we're talking about like real filmmaking, mass, like things executed really well and what didn't work about it, what I think worked about The Farewell is it's, telling of this really sad story in a very beautiful way that feels like a rarity in a lot of films you see in theaters these days. Yeah. And it felt very... So I saw it with a friend of mine who was born in China, has family in China, and he was like, all the stuff is accurate. Yes. Like he, everything felt very... And I mean, for me as a person who has not been to China, right. let alone, you know... It's coming from a Chinese family. It still did feel like very authentic. Yeah. And it almost felt like you are traveling with this woman to China and you are observing these things. Right. Yeah, and it was very cool. Do you 
Do you think we needed to have someone who was born in uh, uh, Maine for this episode? Uh, I, think I, I think so, yeah. You gotta get one of our friends from Bangor to like, really <laughs> weigh in on if this stuff is accurate or not. I'm like, what are you talking about, ch- you chuckle fucks? Ding, dang, zing, zang. Stephen King's dialogue is perfect. I mean, yeah. let me give you a lobster roll and let's sit, sit down and talk about all this Come. jibber-jabber. Yeah. Um... Cool, cool. Dave, thank you so much for being the very first guest on the Box Office Time Machine. Thank you. Yeah, hopefully it was not too painful. No, I hope I am your first returning guest. Thank you so much. Well, you're you're very lucky because you had already seen the movie. So uh, uh, I'm sure most of our future guests will have to be telling them to go see whatever piece of garbage is number one at the box office. Oh, boy. You subjected yourself to this. What do you, what, Matt, what do you guys do if the same movie is so many weeks in a row? Well, we are um, every other week new movies on our, on the, um, uh, so we have a new movie week and then we have a retro movie week where we watch a movie that was, that was number one that weekend. When it came out? 10, 20, 30, or 40 years ago. What are you guys doing for that one? Um, so what's coming up next? So we j- our last retro review, we did The Sixth Sense from okay. 20 years right. ago. So the next week, our options are from 2009 is... Uh... Uh, cloudy with a chance of meatballs. Okay. Which, when oh, we could talk about the career of Lord and Miller, Cloudy with a chance oh, of meatballs yeah. is very good. It's very and, good. I um, like that. Uh, and the first time I saw it, I got a little misty at one scene. There's a certain type of, of storyline uh, that always. <laughs> if you find a creative way to have a parental figure tell a sad character that finally tell a sad character that they're proud of them, <laughs> I'm gonna get misty. Yeah. And they come up with a very cute, clever way to do that at the end of Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Uh, we have uh, the seminal Martin oh Lawrence movie, Blue Streak. <laughs> get ready for Bad Boys for Life. That's great. Uh, I am so excited about Bad Boys for Life. I love Bad Boys. <laughs> uh, and uh, we have uh, from 89, uh, Black Rain. <gasps> oh my God! I don't know what it's a movie. <laughs> that's, that's a Michael Douglas movie. Yeah, I have never heard of it. Oh, that's uh, so great. That's so, so funny. So that it's a Ridley Scott Michael Douglas movie uh-huh. starring Andy Garcia, nominated for two Oscars. All right. Well, uh, I think another option is North by Northwest. Oh. <laughs> and another option is Apocalypse Now. <laughs> if you guys do Apocalypse Now, <laughs> may I please request that I be the returning guests for sure. because you're, sure. you're the first and second guest on the show I've that's my that's that's number 10 on my like favorite movies of all time ah. I've seen it so many times and I know in the ins and outs of the production of that and like oh, I interesting. love talking about that movie I've only seen the redux and I thought it was over long it's <laughs> redux, is, redux is too long but it has my favorite scene in it Oh, uh, the, 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 the the French USO scene. show. Oh, the plantation scene. Yeah. Oh, I'm actually never remember. seen the. USO show is in the original cut, and it's it gr- it's great. But you don't see the uh, dancers in it, which is a shame because Colleen Camp is one of them, and mm-hmm. she's one of the best comedic actresses that no- I don't think any of us really know who. The- she's the maid in Clue. 
Oh yeah. Oh, and, so I recently saw Clue for the first mm-hmm. time. That was another yeah. thing. I, I love I love Clue. Call, Colleen Camp. You saw it for the first time? Yeah, I've never seen it. Before. Oh, oh, it's a great. Great. That's a great. Movie. I had a great time with it's it. Very yeah, it's very fun. That's so, a so, very fun. Yeah. Movie. Uh, she plays Tim Curry. A, I guess. So she plays yeah. Yvette the maid. She plays Yvette the maid. She's also one of the dancers in Apocalypse Now as her first role, and she has a really long scene with Frederick Forrest in the Redux where they're like having sex and. All he, Ooh. all she wants to do is talk about her birds, and she improvises the whole thing. Because she is like, I think she has improv training, and she's like, uh, or maybe just like, I don't know, second city stuff. But like, she was, she, she just goes on this thing. It's like, yeah, it was the bird girl at Universal Studios that just goes on this thing, <laughs> like how she loves these birds, and like all Frederick Forrest wants to do is like have sex with her. She's like, ah, oh, these birds, look at these birds. Well, we'll see. Um, uh, since we we just did um, it, we might choose one of the movies that isn't nearly three hours long. Um, but we'll see. Everyone, uh, keep an eye out on your your pod listener of choice. Yeah, uh, uh, Dave. Where can uh, people oh, yeah. find you? Uh, you uh, you can watch. Uh, you can go and watch the old episodes of the Chris Gethard Show. Uh, you can watch the first two seasons of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Ooh. You can see Goat on uh, Saturday nights at nine at UCB uh, uh, Hell's Kitchen if you live in New York. Almost at Chelsea. They almost, can... <laughs> almost at Chelsea. But you do allow people to come in if they don't live in uh, New York. Well, I live at UCB Chelsea. Yes. Old UCB Chelsea. And you oh, can, you personally live And at... if you don't live in New York, you can come to UCB Chelsea and hang out with me. So all, all improv asylum shows yes. kind of perform around your bed? They're in my living room. They're, they're in my living room. <laughs> wow. And listen to, uh, listen to uh, my podcast, Sexy Spooky Teens, mm-hmm. uh, starring me, uh, hosted by me, Stephanie Pace, and John Trowbridge. You can say starring. Starring me, featuring <laughs> Stephanie Pace <laughs> and featured John Trowbridge. With featured With not ready for primetime players, <laughs> Stephanie Pace and John Trowbridge on iTunes. Um, cool, and uh, you you have an upcoming project you told us about. This feels inorganic. Oh yes, that's right. Oh, <laughs> well, you did tell us about it. And... Oh yeah, I'm I'm in a couple. I'm in uh, uh, the, there's gonna be uh, I, I don't know if it's even like High Fidelity is gonna be a series, and I'm in it. So if you'd like to see me in a couple of quick scenes, watch the upcoming series, which I don't know if they've announced a date yet. So I don't know. Whoa. All right. This might be a box office time machine scoop. Everyone, every day. <laughs> the future. Every day going forward, ref- Google it and refresh. Keep, the, wi- <laughs> keep the, the window open on your computer when you wake up every morning. Load that window and hit refresh. And one of these days... High Fidelity's release date will be there. Mm -hmm. And then your life is complete and you can (laughs) kill yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Don't make it to the show being released. Just (laughs) learn the date that it's coming out and then fucking Stan Uris yourself. Uh, beep beep Richie toot toot us that only happens in the, in, once in the movie and that's like another thing of like this is how they communicate with Richie they t- they say beep beep because he says too many jokes and he goes too far <laughs> <laughs> alright sorry we all float down here toot 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 <laughs>